So I know this is where we typically do a cold open and then we roll into an episode, but we, we, we're not doing that this time. We got something a little extra special, something that kind of just came in last week. And it was, just, it, was, it was enough to completely change the dynamic of how we do a podcast. At least one time. Because I, you hear it all the time. We, we're coming off the E3 season. Who's, who's, who's familiar with that ever so effervescent and iconic world premiere? <laughs> right? We're all used to that. We're getting ready to have one of those right here, right now. So get your ear holes nice and perked up and have yourself a listen. podcast opening jam coming straight from our good pal Taylor who composed our previous theme we are the only ones that love you as well welcome to a new era of the podcast so I want to make you two feel really old right now oh don't worry oh, that happens go. all the time now you can't look it up so just keep your browser where I can see oh. it motherfucker okay keep them browser hands where I can see them or I'll break every goddamn finger <laughs> Okay, so that's our new theme. When do you think we started using our previous theme, We Are the Only Ones That Love You? Do you give me a, an episode number or a date, either or? Um, 2014 is like as I'm, close as I get. I'm going to say episode 20. Okay. I'm going to say April 2015. All right. I'm going to give that to Rhett. The correct yeah. answer is... The previous theme debuted on April 3rd, 2016 on episode 40, <laughs> episode 42. Only a year off. <laughs> which, which is like, we're now on episode 141. So yeah. that, that theme has done us well for an incredible run of episodes from April 3rd, 2016 to August 1st, 2021. Thank I mean, that you is, again, yeah. Taylor, for the amazing work you did, not only on our now retired uh, we are the only ones that love you theme, but our new amazingly awesome and rockin' way too goddamn serious for the stupid <laughs> podcast that we do, but that's why I love it. <laughs> does, does the new one have a name? Yep, it does. It's called It's the Podcast. It's the only podcast. Oh, okay. It's the only podcast. <laughs> which, is, only which is true. Like, we literally are the only podcast. You know, we used to be the only podcast that talked about video games. Now we're just the only podcast. Now we're just... Let everybody else just kind of dropped off. They got bored of it. But not us. <laughs> yeah. Not your good pals at the Sox cast. We stuck with it. We're going to ride this motherfucker into the ground. <laughs> welcome, yeah. to, welcome to episode 141, everybody. What a fantastic burst of energy to get us started. Just fan-fucking-tastic. Love the new theme. We hope you do, too, because you're going to be hearing a lot of it for now, from now on. <laughs> for at least About five, five years. <laughs> yeah. 
to my immediate virtual like to me immediate virtual right he's the kind he's the kind of g the little homies want to be like it's Rhett. hi how's it going going good i guess tentative tentatively good hey polly are you familiar with the game henry stickman yes so there's an evil organization in that game the top hats mm -hmm. and then the strongest character like in the series is known as the right hand man mm -hmm. So since you always introduce me as like on my virtual right, I'm like, oh, I'm the right hand. You're man. the right hand man. <laughs> man, you come to us for dated references, is what you come for. I mean, that game. I mean, it got a re-release like very recently. Like people are all playing again, and by people, I mean VTubers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of figured that's why you brought it up. I was like, why would that be back in the public con? All right, VTubers did a thing. <laughs> it's so funny watching them just... Because all the references in that game, you can tell whoever made it was, like, roughly our age. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because all these references are, like, Super Nintendo and, like, N64 references, and they're just going over so many heads, it's it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Just, I love that they just don't get half of what these games are, like, what the references yeah. are, but just, we're, we're still here for it anyway. Yeah. Multiple VTubers now have said, what's a GameCube? Like, what? Oh my god. What? Yeah. How young are they? How 18, fucking 20? young? How fucking young or what? How do you I ask know. what's a GameCube? Pretty much in that voice. <laughs> I, wow, I could do it, huh? I could be a, I could be a VTuber. Could you do that well, voice for five hours? Cube, right? I could probably do that voice for at least an hour. So that would like, like, look, if I yeah. did, if I did that voice for like an hour and I got the kind of money a VTuber did, I'd only have to work like a <laughs> month. I could pull that off. <laughs> to my immediate virtual left, he's hitting switches on the block in a sixty-five. It's John Fire. Hi. I'm doing well. I have a I have a little quick announcement before the before the podcast proper. Let's hear it. Um, I have an update to one of my old games, and I've got a book that you can go read. Mm -hmm. um, it's got, I released an update to my game Facets. It's Facets V.1.1, and now it has difficulty options um, on several axes. Now you can play it on. I think the big one is that you can play it on weight mode now, so the fighting can be a lot that's slower my, and more comprehensible. Like, yeah. that, that's literally my favorite part. Like I don't even need easy mode. I just like you know what you made it like you made it manageable. <laughs> it's 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 so fast. And in RPG Maker two thousand three, sometimes the attacks like overlap. Yeah, and make it hard to parse. Yeah, mm. that that's where you that's where it gets me. So um, that, now you can play it on wait mode, and it's a lot slower and more and nicer. And there's also a prepared mode, which you can play, which is a separate axis from the active versus wait. Um, where you start off with just a billion extra healing items, so you're not at risk of um, running out and not, being stuck at the end of the two-hour game and not being able to win. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Um, <laughs> um, How very Dragon Quarter of you. <laughs> uh, it's very, it's pretty much very Dragon Quarter. Um, Celeste says, maybe I'll play Facets this time. That's the idea. <laughs> if, the, if it wasn't, if it was too scary last time, and there's also maps of all the dungeons. Mm-hmm. And a boss guide included yep. with the game. The boss and guide is very good, by the way. <laughs> it, it, especially, especially if you read Wayward. Oh, interesting. I wondered, I wondered who would notice that. Yeah. Um, there's just a teensy bit of lore. Just mm -hmm. a teensy little bit of lore in there. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then, yeah, I wrote a prequel novel. It's about Lacey and Alyssa, um, who are the main two ca- Well, Alyssa's the main character, and Lacey's her girlfriend in Facets. Mm-hmm. And Alyssa's wayward is dope as hell. Thank you. Um, and I, I think I, it's just a book about them meeting and falling in love and stuff and a bunch of stuff going down. Um, big, I think big old really... fate-like fights. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my major takeaways when I was giving John my feedback. I'm like, wow, boy, a lot of these fights just read like Fate Stay Night. <laughs> yeah, uh. like, I'm so happy I got that. <laughs> I'm so happy I got that across. Literally, like, okay, this was like the secret. This was like the secret thing I was hoping was like, I'm going to show everyone how much they want fate, but gay. <laughs> Well, everyone is everyone is thirsting for. It. They just don't realize it yet. They just desperately want fate, you're, but gay. You're, you're tapping that 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 completely unused potential because Nazi was so afraid of the gay. <laughs> Nazi was relentlessly straight. Um, oh my god. Um, Jess says, "What about Astolfo? Look, fate apocrypha isn't." Oh my god! That's not that's not Nasu, and and Astolfo is amazing. We stand Astolfo here, okay? Also, also Astolfo does not get the love story that they deserve. No, I thought you were gonna say yeah that fate apocrypha is not real gay. It's not real fate. It's not like it's very clearly the story that should have fucking happened. Yeah, but it's not the story that happened because they're they bait and switch you right in the like last episode. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're fucking babies. Um, Taylor says, I'd say that Kanazuki is fate, but gay, but that also sucks. Well, if it sucks, then it doesn't sound a lot like fate to me, Taylor. Um, <laughs> hopefully, Wayward doesn't suck. I think it's very, very good and fun and a really, like, um, I think it's I think it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. I think it's really nice. Uh, I had, like, six different things I was trying to follow up facets with that were all, like, even more dark. Mm-hmm. And then I then I wrote this and I was like, oh, wait a minute. What if, what if, I, what if I make a nice book? That's completely nice and not at all harrowing and miserable. <laughs> um, I, I really, I really like it a lot. It, there, there, are, there may be some harrowing, miserable parts. There's, there's I really like it. Misery, yeah. And I have heard back from a grand total of one reader since I put it out last week. Oh. <laughs> John, 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 I promise I'm going to read it. I have a vacation. I have no excuse. Yeah. Thank you. I just, I just want to throw it out there. I was like, no, I was ignoring it last week. I'm going to get to it. Thank you, Rad. I think you'll I think you'll like the base ga- the game too. Um, so anyone so anyone that gets back to me, you'll immediately become my, <laughs> my new best friend. So remember remember when Ballas like read your 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 fate fic and became your best friend for like a couple weeks. That was very nice. Yeah, it was very nice to have a best friend for once, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank you for reading, Polly. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you're the first. You're of of the of the test readers. You got back to me very quick. It was very nice. Well, it was a very easy story to read. Not in terms of like subject matter, maybe, but it was. I thought it was a very brisk read and very well paced, and it was easy to just like like like. It, I would have read it in one night had I not started getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to come at it with you know uninebriated opinions. So that's why I saved the second half for the next day. Thank you. Um, also, thanks to Zelaz in the chat who test read as well, and Monty in the chat who test read as well. Thank you. And Sayara, who made some really, really gorgeous cover art for it. Hell um, yeah. I, I love it. Hell yeah. Um, 
and June Flower. A lot of friends of the show here uh, made made all the glyph art mm-hmm. strewn throughout the book. So yeah, I really love it. I, I worked as hard on it as I worked on any previous game. Mm-hmm. So I really, and I know prequel novel to default art only, very, very hard <laughs> RPG maker game is a slightly difficult sell. Yeah, it's a little niche. But, little niche there. But if you're in this chat right now, you have one of the best chances rolling the, one of the best dice rolls. You, you've rolled seven dice already, all, all sixes. Just like four more of being in the in that niche, so <laughs> thank y'all. All right, that's it. I just all wanted right. to plug all my right. awesome new thing. Fantastic. All right, so podcasts where we talk about things. That's what we do mm. here. Rhett. Oh no. Talk about things. I was like, I hope I don't have to go first. I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> I can read you like a book. You read me like a book. You were and, I'm, and I'm over here. <laughs> And I'm over here like, I hope I get to go first. <laughs> and Polly's like, ah, reading that too. Get the fuck both of my podcast co-hosts over <laughs> with just one decision. Thank you for the nice wayward sale. Also, <laughs> also, Very I want to actually want to take a moment okay. uh, for myself, just for a moment. I typically call these kinds of things out, uh, typically. Uh, I want to take a moment uh, just to personally acknowledge the passing of Joy Jordison of Slipknot. Mm. Okay who um, was a huge drumming inspiration for me. Uh, I'd been drumming since I was 11. And when my friend Daniel, back in 1998 or 99, played me that first Slipknot album, or more specifically the song Surfacing, I kind of just had my mind blown back. One of those moments where it, I can specifically just remember the moment, like, of that, and it, it just like having my passion uh, for drumming completely reignite uh and be set ablaze um and he went on to be just a trailblazer of a drummer i get to see him live a couple of times and just like just watching that man perform was amazing like he he had this really crazy rotating drum riser where he would literally just be strapped in and playing upside down and shit like dude was fucking incredible um so i just wanted to kind of take a moment yeah i typically call out things like that when you know those things close to me happen so yeah, that's just my own little nod there. Uh, thank you, Joey Jordison, for the inspiration. Uh, and no doubt, like, uh, a mark that will be left on metal drumming for years to come. Just such an innovator. Anyway, thanks for that. I just need to get that out there. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much for saying that. All right. Rhett! Hi. Now you can follow it up. Oh, boy. Now it's even harder to follow up. Yeah, now uh... you got to follow up a death. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Thanks, Polly. Have a go at it. Let's see how let's see how you do. I'm gonna have my scorecard ready. So we took a little break from the podcast. Mm-hmm. And during that I played like exactly one game. <laughs> Cause this game took me over a month to play. Mm-hmm. And that was Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oh man, this is the big one. Or as it's known in Japan, Yakuza, Yakuza 7, 7, as I like to call. So I have played, as we've de- detailed, like I think Throughout the entire podcast, I think I Yakuza Four was like early, early days of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I've played all of them now, or at least all plus some version of every game because two of them got remade. Mm-hmm. I haven't played the PS2 ones, and I do want to preface with one thing I said a couple months ago on the podcast: Yakuza Six is the worst one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not exactly true. The worst one is actually Kiwami, which is the remake of the first game. <laughs> 
Because mm. that okay. one just that one just feels like kind of janky DLC expansion for zero. Yeah. So it's like, and I played the like immediately after because it just had so I had so much momentum after zero. Just played that one, and it was like, well, that was that was cute. It really does because it's only like maybe ten to fifteen hours. I think it's it, like it's short. It, the boss fights are terrible. Yeah. Like it, it really <laughs> feels like an expansion pack. So that's the worst main game that I've played. Yeah. Okay. And like when I went through my screenshots of Yakuza Six, it was like you know, there's some really really cool exciting moments in this game. Mm-hmm. And I think my problem with it was is that the main story is very similar to Yakuza 3, which is the one I happened to play right beforehand. Mm. And then as, like, the big climax to the Kiryu saga, it, like, completely fell flat in that aspect. But, like, being a few months removed from it and, like, looking at it as, you know, just a standalone single adventure, it's, like, it's fine. It's really good. Hmm. So, yeah, but, like... was a little weird how they shoot horned in like and then it, and then he's just done after this one you know there's no more Kiryu games and that, that just really kind of soured a bit of it towards the end mm-hmm. so Yakuza 7 it was a big departure because new main character mm-hmm. and new combat system uh-huh. so these games have been beat em ups they've been brawlers mm-hmm. and they've gotten very similar feeling after playing all of them. Yeah. Because it's they're, one. They're, they're very samey. One through six plus zero plus judgment. That's a lot of beaten up dudes. Yeah. And no, so and, they, and you don't kill anybody. Oh, you ne- you absolutely never kill anybody. Despite, for his, sure. name, despite his name being <laughs> Kiryu. I get that. So the combat in this game is really kind of the main thing you got to look at because it's just such a huge departure mm-hmm. where it really is turn-based beat-em-up combat. Yep. And like how they're using the same animations for like a lot of the basic stuff and how the, like the cam- at the first it seems like absolute madness the way the camera spins around mm-hmm. to like show all the action all these characters kind of staying in their positions and that it just feels so dynamic and like the fact that it's menu driven is like really impressive and like and then you get party members and like the way like position like you don't have direct control over positioning but the characters are kind of moving around while you're on the uh input screen for like, commands and stuff and like, like grandia yeah like it just feels very smooth and dynamic. It's really neat. Like I went back and watched that April Fool's video, and like you can tell then like that trailer specifically was like very obviously CG. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. the final game does not move quite like that, but it's like it's it's really good. Like even playing something like Final Fantasy 15, which is which I would say is like the pinnacle for like good looking JRPGs. The fact that this is like on that level is like wow. Like you know, I'm just saying because I've come off of stuff like trails you know yeah and neptunia which are not very good looking jrpgs no they're 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 <laughs> a little fucking, budgety fucking dunked cold steel oh no not even cold steel not i'm talking steel. about azure like the little sprites yes. like they're very good to play they are not lookers hmm. i know going from this back to cold steel will be weird where it's like yeah you're, you're trying with these animations i guess <laughs> but 
ultimately, I have to say, I'm not really a fan of the turn-based combat. Oh, no! I was hoping that would turn a corner. It kind of does in the last third of the game. Mm. Like, the first, like I'd say, like two-thirds of the game are very, very easy. Mm. And I get that because I don't think they wanted to just throw, you know, the beat-em-up fans to the wolves completely and just make it, like, actually tactical and difficult until they do at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> but, at least, but at least you have a little, you know, time before then. Yeah. But it's just, like, I was really, really not, like, thinking while doing the combat for, oh. like, two-thirds of the game, and that's a little rough. That's unfortunate. And there's no difficulty selection, is there? Yeah. There's so the difficulty is only a post game thing. Mm. Like technically it's in there, but you don't unlock it till you've beaten the game, which means I'm never going back. And like even if you download a save, basically hard mode just makes everything start at level fifty and then like super hard is like everything starts at level seventy. Okay. Like it's definitely not like trails where you could just start a new file and have like, oh, they do twenty percent more damage, you know, just to make mm-hmm. it a little trickier. This is just straight up it would be impossible, like literally impossible, to start from level one on hard mode. Yeah. So they don't let they don't even let you try. So yeah, there's only the one difficulty, and then the it's just very basic for a while. And like, there's a ton of jobs, like like kind of a Final Fantasy V job system, and I just never really found much reason to deviate and like train different jobs up because of how easy the game was and the like. Once I found, like, jobs that I thought were good and worked for a character, like, I kind of just you kept just, them there. Yeah, yeah. There's One no, of the like, weirdest nuanced things. building here or anything, it doesn't sound like. Mm-hmm. So, like, each job will have two skills that, once you learn them, they'll be available on, no matter if you switch off of that job. So, like, there were a few where it's like, oh, if I get this up to level four, he learns an HP regen song. I'll grab that and then switch back to the main one mm. that I want this character on. So, like, I did that a couple times, but, like, never felt like it made a huge difference, mm. you know? Gotcha. And, like, the male characters have different jobs than the female characters, mm. which is a little weird. And there's only two girls, and one of them is, like, the completely optional character. Oh. I will say, though, my favorite job in the game, unfortunately, was one of the DLC ones you have to pay a couple bucks more for. Mm-hmm. But it's it's for the girls. It's called Matriarch, and like, it's just like her two main weapons are like spear and machine gun, and it just fucking rules. <laughs> That's perfect. Those are like the yeah. those are the ideal weapons I want to see a woman with. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that one is really cool. All the other jobs for girls are like, oh, it's like hostess or oh like maid, not maid, but like. The hostess just hits people with a bag. It's kind of weird. Uh, There's dealer where you throw cards at enemies. I forget the other one. I will say the optional girl, her default job, like everybody has a default that's unique to them. Mm -hmm. First, first she just fucking pulls out a box cutter. It's kind of vicious. Oh, that's a, that's a job to have. Like I, I, my job (laughs) is box cutter. Well, her job is, like, secretary, so when she fights, she just fucking pulls out a box cutter and starts stabbing dudes. I feel like that would be... I feel like that would be one of the more ruthless things you could do in a fight. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, she's a melee character, so she's the one I gave the uh, the spear and machine gun right. to. Well, I was oh, so yeah. shocked when she fucking... Her machine gun attack 
is just so goddamn strong. Like it, it's kind of random, but it seems to ignore defense. So I'm like using it again. I was used it for like half the game. I'm using it on the final boss. Like, <laughs> yeah, it says you resist this, but it's still doing like 400 damage three times. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, you're you're done. <laughs> so like, uh, trying to. There's like. There's seven playable characters, but you can only have four in the party at once. You so can, like, you can tag in and out though. I will say the tag in thing is actually really nice because you can do it to characters that are unconscious, who've been knocked out from alive party members. Mm-hmm. Like some games that are like you can only tag out a character if they're from yeah. their menu. Like I think uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions was like that, where it's like if you wanted to tag out the character. They had to still be alive. Uh, Neptunia, that... Like uh, Neptunia Rebirth 3 let you do that too, where you could tag cool. out a dead character for an alive one. Yeah. It makes more sense to do that yeah. than having to have, oh no, they're only at 50 HP. That's perfect. Now I'll swap them out. Like it never really works that way. I, But in practice, I was only gearing up the characters, the four characters I was using. So there was one really hard boss fight, and I did try swapping out because, like, Everybody but Costigo was knocked out, so I swapped out the others for the backup team, mm-hmm. and they just immediately all got one hit killed. And I'm just like, well, okay. Okay, I'm not really going to try that again. Because <laughs> characters not in the main party get experience slower. Right. So, the, so they're I... not quite as leveled up. They don't have the gear. Still so the worst JRPG mechanic, by the way. Stop doing yeah. it. Just give everybody experience. Let's stop yeah. this garbage. I... I mean, so there is, like, an affinity system where characters in the back row will get more experience. Yeah. But, like, again, they still get behind a little bit. It's a dumb system, and I hate it. It it just felt like the main four characters... So the other weird thing is, like, the last two party members you get are kind of late in the story. So I just, like, wasn't going to bother with a new character at that point. Like, oh, all your jobs are level one. Cool. Right. Oof. So unless unless you're really like, oh, I want that guy in my party, yeah. which is never going to happen for me because they were both guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will say, oh my God, there's this girl who is super hot and they literally do this thing where she's like, I'll come with you. And then another character goes, no, you stay back. I'll go with them. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> they tease her joining your party and then take it away. Oh. But the weird thing is that in the cutscenes, like one party member is totally optional because you get her by doing like the management sim game, hmm. and then she never appears in any cutscenes because, oh, as far as the story right. is concerned, she's not actually with you guys. Yeah. And then like the cutscenes will like generally still focus on the original four characters, mm-hmm. and like those two later don't show up as much, and it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. And you know how some. A lot of like modern 3D video games, like when a cutscene ends, it'll kind of do the rotating camera as it gets behind your main character. Yeah. yeah. As you resume control. Mm-hmm. So this game does that, but it's really funny because char- everybody will be standing around talking, and then characters that aren't in your active party will just <laughs> fade. They will just fade away. Oh as the camera- no! It's really kind of funny. They're like Santa Claus. You just don't know they're there. They're just invisible for right now. <laughs> Or like, oh, this character is turning into the optional party member. They're angels. Like, it's fine. 
So the combat, like, for the first two-thirds of the game, roughly, kind of ignorable. Mm. And, like, it's a lot of human enemies. Yeah. Like, it's almost entirely human enemies. And, yeah, like, like what have... else can you do? Like... I feel like they like. I feel like given the conceit of the game and that the main character Ichiban is like obsessed with Dragon Quest, they could have yeah. easily made his imagination turn people into things, and it would have mm-hmm. been a lot of fun to really play around with that idea. Yeah, maybe that's something they can do for the next game. There are like, there's like three unique enemies that are non not human at all, mm-hmm. and like. You can tell it's those three because if you do a lot of the side quests like I do, they show up more than once. Like like each of these kind of unique bosses shows up like two or three times. Yo, we are pulling right from the Compile Heart book of play here, man. And I think it wouldn't have felt as egregious if it wasn't just, okay, there's two kind of robot bosses and then one tiger. Oh, boy. And then, like, certain moves on them won't work because you can't, you know... Yeah, you can't... Who says you can't pile door have a tiger? I was going to say you can't suplex a tiger, but they probably do in Yakuza too. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you be able to? I want to play a game where I can power bomb a tiger through three tables, man. There's a lot of animations that you can only do on human enemies that don't work on the larger, unique bosses, mm. which is a little shame, bit of a shame. Yeah. And yeah, the character, like... So Kasuga has this thing where when you start a fight... Like, he imagines a bigger threat than what's actually there. Yeah. So, like, and the enemies will get pretty wacky. Like, oh, I'm, like, the deranged barber. I'm fighting with scissors. Or, like, uh-huh. the otaku <laughs> hitting you with a body pillow. Actually, they don't, it's not that. They have, like, you know those glow sticks? They have yeah. them as, like, claws. So it's, like, three glow <laughs> sticks on each other. <laughs> but, but then at the end of the game, there's, like, an optional battle to... Well, I will say technically optional. If you want to grind, you're going to have to go in there. Mm. And if you want to beat some of the later game bosses, you're going to have to go in there. In that place, the character design just gets completely, like, <laughs> off-the-wall goofy. Where you're just fighting, like, anything and everything. Like, one enemy is, like, a pirate captain with a giant trident. There's, like, guys that are oiled up. And they're like sliding around on. <laughs> like, I keep laughing hearing you talk about this game. It's so weird. Like the character design in the, in the tower, like gets really crazy. Some guys, there's some humanoid like robots, which you know a lot of the yeah animations will work on. But it's like, I think my kind of my main problem with this game is that the rant, the JRPG combat is a lot slower than the beat 'em up. And then there's a ton of random encounters in the city. And it just, for a game that is like twice as long as Yakuza 6 was, yeah, it just, it just gets kind of exhausting at a point. And like, I actually did finally get an item that was like, oh, turn off random battles in the city. Like, they just won't appear at all. Yeah, they give that to you the last hour of the game. (laughs) They got, they give that to you right when you want to stop you when you wouldn't want to use it because it's right at the difficulty spike. Oh, God. I was like, huh, that was really unfortunate, game. Because I think this game does use extremely good use of difficulty spikes Mm -hmm. because there are two fights, one in particular, the first one, that just come out of nowhere and beat your fucking ass. (laughs) And because of what characters it is, it makes complete contextual sense that you would be 
completely unprepared to fight these characters. Yeah, like it's, you, you get a few moments in the Trails games that are like that, where you fight a big bad, you've spent, like, five games with this person being mytho mythologized, and suddenly, oh, yeah. yeah, I deserve to lose that. That's the place where they play Silver Will. It's like, yes, okay, here's the part. Here's where you need yeah. to really know the game. <laughs> I know, so, like, I'm cruising through not thinking about the combat, and then I just come on one fight, and, like, I'm, like, 35 levels, and, like, these two bosses are, like, level 50, what? and they just beat my ass, and I'm like, okay, and, like, the game doesn't expect you to get to level 50, because I think I beat them at, like, 41 or so, mm -hmm. but I had to actually learn the combat for once, and it was really fun for once, oh. and then a couple more bosses that are easy, and then there's one more brick wall, and then I kind of cruise through the rest of the game. Mm. Like, because, like, a lot of the status effects and stuff, they just don't feel particularly important on boss fights because I don't think... Like, I never really went for them because I don't think they'd work because mm -hmm. they can miss, obviously. See, that's the first thing that so I try to do with boss fights these days is debuff and throw status effects and see if that works. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I was just doing a lot of, like, oh, this attack down is working and keeping me alive. I'll keep doing that one. Yeah. Or, you know, defense down. Like, those were working. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't think I'm going to set you know, poison on the boss or whatever. And no. will it even matter that much? Right. So yeah, it was fun just having to actually learn a couple boss fights because then one of them has a totally different feel, even though it's still hard. So like, oh, like the attack down and stuff doesn't work on this one because like the boss is attacking so many times that it just runs out after a couple turns. Because mm. it, So it's like, I can't just keep applying it every time because that character would just be completely locked up doing that. Yeah. So, like, I think there is potential in the combat. I think hopefully they would, you know, take a strong look at that in the next one. Yeah. And I think, but ultimately, like, I think a lot of problems I have with this game would be forgiven if I liked the main story more. Oh. And it just, it just didn't have, like, that kind of oomph I expect from a Yakuza game. Mm. Because it's a lot lighter in tone than these games have typically been. Yeah. Mm hmm and because the combat itself is kind of goofy, like it, it has a hard time shifting into dead serious oh, mode. Oh, yeah, I was thinking that might be a problem given how... Because they're... Yeah. yeah. Like you have a real bad tone shift there. That's that's hard to manage. Because what happens is you'll, you will have moments where the game is being dead serious and you're like fighting against this guy who murdered your brother or whatever happens. Yeah, but hold on. Let, me, that... let me pull out my gigantic plastic hammer. <laughs> <laughs> basically and then the fight starts and all your characters turn into their wacky jobs so you've got you know Ico over there is hitting the enemy with like literally a wand that's shaped like a popsicle great great this <laughs> and it just it kind of breaks the illusion there for a bit because I think what worked about the Kiryu games is that he was the straight man in like the goofy stuff mm -hmm. so that when when it became serious, he didn't have to change as a character. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he's he's always serious. Yeah. It's just crazy stuff is happening around him in, like, the side content. Whereas Kasuga is much more of a participant in the goofy stuff. So it's like, he has to shift tone dramatically when the game wants to get serious. Right. Because, like, the ending of this game is, like, an hour long and feels like it came from some totally different other project in a way oh, where man. where because because the combat's over it just goes deathly serious for a while mm -hmm. and it's just like this yeah it just was like oh my god this feels like 
in so incongruous with a lot of the stuff that came earlier. Yeah. I mean, so it was a good ending. Like, at least they didn't, like, completely drop the ball there. But I was just kind of dumbfounded by the end in a weird way. Yeah, like, I, I was kind of wondering about the tone shift and how the, the weird, yeah. wacky tone that combat has and, like, how you maintain a serious story with that. Yeah. I think I did kind of naturally gravitate towards jobs that weren't as goofy. Uh, yeah, just, because, because, just to maybe one of them, save the tone a little bit. Because one of the other jobs is, like one of the other DLC jobs is Devil Rocker and you like literally your character will like literally put on like kiss like a kiss outfit oh my God. and makeup and like have devil wings oh, and like geez. start hitting enemies with a guitar that's pretty good <laughs> and like spitting fire but it's like this is really goofy like Wait. there's a chef job where you're like you know hitting enemies with pots and pans and ladles like I kind of went for the more serious ones, like, oh, girl with spear and machine gun. Okay, it does not feel at all weird when she pulls out a machine gun and shoots, like, 70 oxen. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, last thing I'll say is that the combat also kind of fell apart a little bit towards the end because you just start getting AoEs, like, everybody's super moves. Right. And, you can, and they, they're AoEs, like, that hit everything no matter what because they're little cutscenes. Yeah. So it's just, like... Starting every fight doing that and then hit start. Okay, everybody's dead. Move on. Because mm. I think, like, ultimately, the thing that was fun about the combat through, like, eight previous Yakuza games is that it never played out exactly the same. Right. Because the triangle button was just the do cool shit button. Yeah. And because you had so many, at times, heat moves yeah. that were all on the triangle button... When you pressed it, you were never 100% sure what was about to happen. It was like Christmas. <laughs> like, a lot of times I know people people joked about every Yakuza game, you just grab the nearest bicycle and win. And I that's mean, kind of yeah. true. The bicycles probably needed to be nerfed a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> They're so strong. But, like, <laughs> ridiculous. I remember Kiwami 2 had, like, heat moves that would only work on certain streets in front of certain stores. Oh, like they, wow. Like, they got so specific with them. And like, so none of the fights and the, and the fights were quick mm. is what I really want to emphasize is that they never felt really drawn out besides the boss fights. Yeah. And just and, so and like, the way that these are being menu driven, they, te they typically have to be slower. They're a little, they're slower. And like when I'm fighting like six random enemies on the street, I just want to do the best AOE and yeah. it's always going to, and, and one character has the highest speed. So they always go first. So I'm just doing that move as my opener. Every single time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, why wouldn't you? And then eventually you get a different AoE, and that just becomes the new opener. <laughs> so so the fights just fought, got pretty repetitive. Mm. So I think if they had focused more on, like, unique, hard, cool fights, yeah, that would have been better. Also, I'm, I know this is going a while, but this is my one, like, really big thing. Dude, go, go, it doesn't, yeah, 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 like, this is your thing. There's, like, two dungeons in the game, and they're both fucking terrible. Oh, man! <laughs> That's not what I wanted to hear. Like, I wanted them to at least get that right. But it sounds like, like the they're first... probably just, what, just dumb mazes? <laughs> they're not even... Re I mean, they're kind of mazes, but they're pretty linear, and you have a good map, so you're not going to get, like, actually lost. Right. So, like, the first one, I didn't mind. Because you're in Kamurocho, the main city from the other games. Yeah. And it's before you leave for basically the whole entire rest of the game. 
and you go through a little sewer dungeon yeah. as a way to sneak into enemy HQ. And it's fine. And then in like chapter six, a little, you know, further into the game, there's another sewer dungeon. Oh. And, it's, and it hit a point where, so I'm like, I don't actually think they're the same, you know, geometry, but like having it be like three or four hours later, it felt like the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, we're doing another sewer dungeon, huh? Yeah. So I hit Ugh. a point, you know, it went on a little bit longer than I thought it should. And then I hit a point, there's a save point and a heal thing. And I'm like, okay, I'll come back tomorrow night and finish this off. Because I thought there was going to be a boss in the next room. Because they give you a save and a heal point. Yeah. I, I walk to the next area and there's another floor. And I'm like, okay. At least I'm refreshed from the night. This dungeon was twice as long as I thought it was going mm. to be. Get, get to the end of that screen and there's a third map. No! no! And I think, oh, this dungeon was three times longer than I thought it should be. <laughs> and, then it did, and then it did end, it, thankfully. Oh, God. I was waiting for a fourth. I think three, three and four are like both kind of abbreviated ones, but it's just like, okay, okay. Ultimately, like three times longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But like, so that's like the chapter six dungeon. I saw someone on Game of Fakus go, that was fucking terrible. Hope there's nothing like that in the rest of the game. Oh, no. And then there, and then there isn't. What? There's just like no <laughs> actual dungeons after that. That's so weird. And when you finish, so when you finish the chapter six one, they immediately give you an option. Hey, you can go through it again, and there'll be higher level enemies this time. And I'm just like, no nah, fucking thank you. I'm good. I'm good. And then I, and then at the end of the game, when I hit the difficulty spike, I thought, oh, maybe I should actually go do that now. Mm. But I'm like, you know, level like 40s, and I go through that dungeon a second time, and everything's like level 20s now. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's it. It didn't actually scale. Cool. Oh, great. And then and then I get the option much late, even later, like right before the... Uh, right at the end of the game, they go, hey, you could go fight the final boss, or you can go through this optional dungeon. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's this first sewer area again. Oh, but man. everything's like level 40 now. God, it's so weird. <laughs> it, it, it's literally like this prompt, like this in-game prompt that pops up over things that says, hey, go fight final boss or optional dungeon over here. I'm like, are you... What? Oh. I do feel there was maybe hints of development trouble in this game because, like, the way the side quests work, all assume Kasuga is by himself. Like, oh. the party members, like, literally don't appear. Oh. And they've said, they the on-record statement is that they rehaul overhauled the entire combat system based on the reaction to the April Fool's video. Oh, jeez. Which, we know a little bit more than how about how video games are made. Yeah. There's no fucking way that they did this entire combat system nah. and and adjusted the story to make it fit in like six months. No, nah, that's that's There's not reasonable. There's no effing no. way. What they I somebody had a good speculation. I will say this is speculation, but basically, they did the April Fools' video to test the water. Yeah, that's and if, yeah. And if people had a really really negative reaction, they would have delayed the game. Yeah, and it did, and it didn't get delayed, which meant that was always the combat that's, system they were going for. That's what that <laughs> April Fool's joke always felt like to me because it was yeah. way too polished for a damn yeah. April Fool's joke. And I knew that it was you're just you're either testing for something you want to do or you're doing now. And then lo and behold, they, three they, months later, they were definitely doing it at that point because yeah. some animations are like literally the same as in the final game. Yeah, yeah. 
but but the way the side quests don't have your party members there and just you know it's one of those tone things where it's just kind of yeah waffling a bit more than it should yeah and a lot of the early side quests like they act like they're taking place over multiple days oh but then you can just walk like a hundred feet away and then turn around and come back <laughs> and it's just like oh if this game just had like user controlled day night system yeah you could just do that yourself and like actually make these quests feel a little more immersive like you have to come back the next day yeah but like, they don't Blade does that a lot but again there's there'll be story moments where like I'll be at this location tonight and then the scene fades and it's nighttime like oh better go to that location like it would be weird if oh and then he slept for three days yeah, but like, but like every other JRPG kind of does that, anyways. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're if you're going all in on the RPG yeah. tropes, I don't know why mm. you wouldn't just lean into that stuff harder. Yeah, which tells me maybe like their idea was maybe a little more shallow than uh, um, than it initially seemed. Yeah, it's just like. I think it's kind of death by a thousand cuts where like enough stuff feels a little bit off for me yeah. as well as just combat aside, everything else in this game feels exactly like a Yakuza game. And I might be also a little tired of that formula. I mean, after... you're like seven games in, right? I mean, if you, if you include like one through six, you're eight games is, in, this is seven, then there's zero, then there's judgment. There's just a lot. And you played all of them, right? And so I've you're not games in. I'm 100% up to date now, and there's and there's a new judgment coming out like this fall. I'm yep. just like, oh. <laughs> Have you're, you seen? Did you guys see this? This is the equivalent yeah. of playing tra- uh, like Cold Steel Four in terms of density yeah. of Yakuza stories. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. This is the one series that I'm 100% caught up on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I played the like I played four when it was the most recent one. Like I yeah. have been relatively Current. on on par. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just there's so many of them, and the fact that I just spent a month playing Trails to then dive into play spending over a month playing this was just okay. I'm a little JRPG off right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, there's there's my aspects to it, and then there's like the game itself maybe being a little disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. I because I never truly got bored of the beat 'em up. Which is the funny part. Yeah, despite the fact that it's very, very repetitive. And simple, but it just works. Yeah. I got that cool button. Have you seen... Very so cool button. This is the last thing I'll mention. Apparently, Judgment is never coming to PC. Yep. They, because... don't want, they don't want you to model... They don't want people to mess with the actor's model. It getting out there and, the, and people doing weird sex yeah. stuff with it. It's all weird likeness rights. Yeah, like, like look, Jap- Japanese talent agencies, especially the really big ones, are notoriously difficult to work with. Yeah. Apparently this one is, like, notoriously the most restrictive. Like, they don't even allow their clients to have social media accounts. God. Mm-hmm. So, like, remember, y- or Judgment got into trouble where one of the actors portraying a character was, like, he got caught with cocaine, ha- yeah. Was it cocaine? I thought it was weed, but I think you're right, though. So, like, they had to remodel this character yep. for the Western release mm-hmm. because he was just 100% blacklisted in Japan. Yep. And, and now the games can never come out on PC because of the main character yeah. is also based on an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, 
you know, I think Sega should just never bother with real likenesses yeah, ever again. Because it think, has just caused a lot of headache with this series. Yeah, I feel like the money they spend on getting big names like that, yeah, um, they could probably spend on making a fucking better video game. I don't know. I mean, I really like... I really like Judgment. Like, that was one of my favorites of all these. Like, it ended up in the top ten of the Game game of the Year list. But, wow. and again, for me, had nothing to do with the fucking likenesses of these actors I don't know. Like, that's only going to sell in Japan. Yeah. Really. But yeah, the new one is coming out, and I'm not going to play it until I have a PS5 at least, so. Oh, cool, you're not playing it until 2023 then. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that's that's the Yakuza journey for now, and it's actually at its end for now. Do you, do you feel like a dragon though? There's some shit towards the end where the answer is absolutely yes. Okay, okay, Aww. that's that's good. So long as you still felt like a dragon coming out the other side, I think then you know the, 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 it fulfilled the, its promise. Yeah, it fulfilled some kind of promise. I think. Uh huh. It's so funny that. Like a dragon quest. <laughs> <It's still the best. laughs> I just got that. <laughs> well, okay. Kiryu was always the dragon, so yeah. like uh, it is. It is a thematic connection yeah, there. Like, it, like but, a but when dragon. they li- yeah. they literally say Dragon Quest in this game, yeah. he's he's like talking about his favorite game on the on the NES or yeah. the Famicom. Yeah, like like they they went specifically to Square Enix to clear all this. Really? Cool. That's so they they got rights for that at least. Yeah. That's that's wild. So that's uh that's like a dragon. That's the Yakuza journey. Hell yeah. Okay, let's let's throw it to John. He's been sitting right. here waiting. John chomping at the bit here. <laughs> I've been getting back to my core competencies. Feel is how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um all this arcade shit, throw it in the trash. All right, get out of here. Throw them in the trash. Out. We don't need that. Done. Yeah. We don't need that shit. Garbage. You know what we need? We need short itch games <laughs> by my friends. All right. I'm here for it. Um, I played Fallen Star, the new Jetstorm, the new Thomas Light um, joint, the Jetstorm 4. Um, so this was a jam game. It feels very flushed out. It's about an hour long. It's a, it's a basically... A, a vignette of a final dungeon mm-hmm. in an RPG. Mm-hmm. Like, you just jump in and experience final dungeon. It sets up the story, like, very um, economically. Just, like, throws you in, here are the characters, here are the stakes, go. Dungeon. Yeah. Which I love. I love that setup. Um, I think that's dope. I, I want more bite-sized RPGs that actually... And RPGs that are actually, like, dungeons with fighting, which, mm-hmm. this, which is this game. Mm-hmm. Um... This is, to me, this is by far the most, like, balanced and kind of viscerally fun the fighting in Tom's games has been. Right. Um, he, this would, the whole point with this one was just, like, balancing the fighting and the verbs, just, like, really d- dr- drilling in there and using the short form structure. Yeah. To end, it's literally like 15 fights like you um, where you like where the, the enemies jump out at you like Chrono Trigger and fight you instead of there being random mm-hmm. encounters they're a bunch of different kind of statically designed statically balanced fights mm-hmm. uh, which is a which I love um, 
and like to me and the dungeon the maps are really the maps are really gorgeous um they use the same style as silas where they have the where they are you stretch outside the boundaries of the screen it's hard to describe but like you don't there's no edge to the scrolling there's always more visible area that you can't explore yeah um and it makes the maps feel huge and really cool especially the starting maze um uh the so that basically it's just like you're going through this cool dungeon and having these little character beats and you have this big big jrpg climax um and it all just works and it lands and it's kind of tense right up to the end like I, n- I never like it it feels very gentle in the sense that i played it thoughtfully um and was engaged and was like paying close attention to everyone's rules and you full heal after every encounter also uh, which i really liked because it meant that i otherwise if that, if that wasn't the rule because your resources are limited i would have played very um conservatively mm-hmm and been like focusing on just using my special my regular attacks throughout the fights. And mm-hmm. I said I was able to kind of explore the verb set a little bit better and I think that worked out really nicely. Um so it feels gentle but I stayed like fully engaged the whole game right up through the very end. The final boss has like a cool attack phase at the very end that's like, "Oh, this is tense." Neat. Um So I like this a lot. Uh this I I told Tom afterwards like this is the most um like Falcom dungeon, like the, not just in like aesthetics, but in terms of just like the friction and feel of the, how the numbers bash together, like yeah. how that plays out, um, was just really strong. I had a really, really good time with this. Um, so recommended. I posted Our friends the... make good video games. Yep. Like, um, I, I like I to be clear I, lo- I fucking loved Silas um, I play I really enjoyed that game I especially really enjoyed its story and its mm-hmm. maps um, I and I felt felt like the fighting was strong in that one but this just kind of reaches another level where it's using the the short form structure to like yeah. really balance out the fights and I thought it was just very pleasing and it makes me that much more excited for Tom's next game nice so hearty recommend the next one is land votus which i did not actually play to completion but i want to talk about anyway Mm. and i didn't play to completion because this is a this is an experimental game in the sense of being like pretty dense and like kind of challenge and challenging to parse in a way that where it's like asking of me things that i don't usually have games ask me um it is a game about navigating one big world map mm. and that's that is the whole game is navigating this big map and finding hidden treasures based on treasure maps hmm. um and you have limited visibility like classic ultima style nice. based on the terrain around you if you look oh, at the map it's, it's just neat. gorgeous yeah this is no neat. it's very cool there's no um there's no in-game menu it's just the everything is there inside the the frame yeah around the, this the is ultima. area it's Ultima. Um, but there's no fighting. Um, there's next to no story. Um, Sreka made Ocean Oi, which I put on my game of the year list either right. last year or the year before. Because yeah. it was just a combat gauntlet. Like, very minimal story. Like, 15 really hard fights in RPG Maker that are really smart and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's literally like Sreka is just, like, drilling down 
just deep into RPG language and making like something, making something like very focused. And I, I kind of feel like he, like um, they're on the cusp of some wild shit, like actually kind of pushing the boundaries of the form, I guess. Mm. Um, the, the thing that kind of pushed over the line where I was like, this is a little too dense for me right now when I picked it up was I think that you can only use tre- one treasure map at a time. Um, mm. So if you find one of the shrines that has a treasure, a different treasure map, you don't get to keep, hold on to that treasure map. You have to go find the shrine again later. Mm. So it's 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 a little bit of like like kind of Sonic Adventure Two, where you're trying to find all these things um, in the Knuckles stages, but oh, you're, you're, you can only be targeting one at a time. Um, which is a very mean thing to say in the sense that I, I don't like those levels in Sonic Adventure 2 at all, but this is doing something really cool. So I think, um, I think that choice, like it's legit, but it may, it, it just is like, Hey, you need to learn this map. Um, but it makes it like very, like, like digest, a little digesting a brick of yeah. cool RPG language. <laughs> so I hope to get to this again at some point, but I wanted to share that with everyone just cause I think it's really dope. Yeah, like, um, I'm, I'm more interested, I think, in it from the technical aspects of using RPG Maker 2000 to make this. Um, yeah, that to me is just like I look at that and go, "How the what? How the fuck did you do what this? What did you do, and how did you do it? What the fuck? Yeah. I've used RPG Maker 2000, and I didn't know it was capable of anything looking like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no scripting in 2000 and 2003. No, this there's not. So what the with, fuck are you doing? This is done with events. That's my like i can see i guess like tile set events happening here to make that no area idea. like my brain is kind of breaking because i'm going back to my rpg maker 2000 knowledge and it's just like man i'm too fucking dumb absolutely no clue like maybe maybe dropping pictures like 16 by 16 maybe? Ta- um, black pictures and just every mm. step looking at the tiles around you and calculating oh where my God, pixel, that's so pictures should be dropped oh jeez oh, that sounds like a nightmare too uh-huh just using picture uh, overlays for the whole thing that's <laughs> that gives this me is... an I- that gives me an idea though <laughs> <laughs> this is the dense shit. Like this is this is this is the cutting edge yeah. to me. Yeah. Like to the point of being like nearly undigestible as a play experience. Like, oh yeah, I can understand that. Like I think like I think that's really cool and wild and I love it. Love seeing stuff like that. Yeah. So um one more I'm gonna talk about in this section. Mm-hmm. I played Yinglet Inglet? Inglet? Inglet. I, I think it's Inglet. Inglet. Um, this is the new Niflis, Niflis joint. Um, who it is, is who, who should we know Niflis from? Nit. And oh, K-N-Y-T-T. Right. K-N-Y-T-T. Okay. Yep. I knew so that Nit, name Nit stories, Nit, Nit stories, Nit underground. Yeah. I knew that um, name sounded the, familiar, so. Yeah. And then a handful of other stuff, like within a deep forest and yeah. night sky. Um, I liked Nit back in the day. I like, I really liked Nit stories. I liked playing everybody's because that was mostly the the hook was that it was had a big level editor, so a bunch yeah. of people made cool Nit stories levels. Um, I would say I've never connected super deeply with Nifla stuff. Um, I think Toby Alden, um, loves it. Like you can see that inspiration and in, like most of their work oh, is yeah. like, oh yeah, this this person really likes Nit and that rules. Um, and Inglet, Yinglet, um, the the gist of this is that you are like 
basically a worm. And instead of platforms, um, it's sort of a basic, kind of like a 2D platformer, except that instead of platforms, you're basically swimming from floating globs of water and jumping between them. Mm. Um, so it's sort of like that. It's like those levels in Echo the Tides of Time or Mario 3D World, where, mm. where you have the floating water and you're jumping between them. Right. Um, which I fucking love. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is just always like one of my favorite aesthetics in platformers is like whoosh splash like ah I, I think it's really cool. Um it does it has a bunch of other cool things. The big like language it plays with is that you have a dash and that it ha- introduces like walls where if you run into them not dashing, then you bounce hard off of them. But if you dash through them, you pass right through them. Mm. And then there's a different opposite colored wall where if you run into it, you pass right through it. But if you dash into it, you bounce off of it. <laughs> um, there's also like to, to make another Sonic Adventure 2 comparison. There's also like cool rails that you like grind through. Oh, yeah. It feels, <laughs> the, it feels cool, the coolest game where you can grind, obviously. Um, it feels really cool. Yeah, like there's no other game series i, I feel like anyone think, else would i can't think of any game would, where you would actually grind rails like yeah that you would think of before well, sonic adventure 2 no not at all i sonic mean sonic adventure. advance 2 <laughs> yeah right sonic adventure 2 has you fucking grind in space it's the cool shit ever <laughs> it is the thank you red it is in fact the coolest shit ever so basically this is just a really really cute language um it's really it's really just nice and chill. Um, I got all of the... There's like a couple collectibles in each level. They're not hard to find. Um, they generally just are like, all right, here's a slightly harder platforming challenge or dash challenge. Um, and I felt like the main game was just really well-paced. And I had a, had a nice time playing through it over like two hours. Hmm. Um, I think I did have a kind of muted reaction where I was sort of like... the The no story abstract indie platformer about exploring a cool music cool movement and a cool aesthetic um that's maybe not my like number one cup of tea these days i think yeah i think that you can get to a point where that starts to feel really overdone and that's especially rough with niflis because that's all of his stuff that's yeah like hey like Everybody got a wheel. Put on them. Right? Like if, I, if I had a yeah. choice, I'd make 100 Contra games if I had the ability. So <laughs> There you go. Um, so I, I think that kind of puts into context my muted reaction to all of his stuff because yeah. it's all – it's not like arcade platformers. It's all this kind of longer form, gentle, quiet aesthetic indie platformer with no words or story. And – that's just at this point. I just think that's kind of a hard sell for me these days. Like mm. it's just yeah. something I have trouble vibing with. Um, but this, if you do like this kind, these kinds of games, this is a good one. I had a fun time with it. I think it's nice, and it's only five dollars. Like, I, I think this is a really nice evening. Um, I know our, I know our um, friend of the show, June Flower, played through um, the game and then played through all of the harder extra stages too. Um, which I didn't go for. Mm. So, yeah, I had a nice time with this. Um, I I have two other itch games, mm-hmm. and that's literally it. So I think I'm going to throw it to Polly. Oh, no. Me. 
I know. Go for it. I have to talk on my own podcast? That's how this works? I thought since we, like, moved to the new era, I thought it was the new era where I didn't have to talk about things. And it was going to be just, (laughs) hey, sit here, play Switch, and not have to worry about it. I press the record button, and I get all the credit. Goddamn. (laughs) I still have to put in effort. You don't care. You don't actually care about the podcast. You're just here for the cash. Yeah, you're here for the cash and fame of them, running the Sox cast. Those big podcast books I'm raking in right now. You would not believe. You would not believe the endorsements we're doing. The endorsements Poly- we have coming up. The Poly S stands for sellout. <laughs> <laughs> finally, someone figured it out. God, I've been sending signals all these years, and finally, somebody got it. Um, all right, we've talked about video games for a bit. Let's talk about something that's not a video game. They make okay. those? Yeah. Let's talk about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wait, that's, oh, yeah. wait, that's, that's a video game. Shit. Okay, anyway. Um, so who here, who here saw the very fun and very good 1995 Mortal Kombat movie? Hell yeah. All I right. I was a kid, and it was precious to me. It all was right. very important to me. I am, moment. I am so happy that I am in good company then, because that movie, like, I have I have not wavered once in the last <laughs> 25 years in thinking that that movie is still probably the best um, video game adaptation to cinema. And I think, like, the best part about that movie is that Mortal Kombat it was known to just be this violent, gory thing. And that movie was PG-13 and had no violence at all, really. Like, uh-huh. it, it had fighting, but it didn't have any, like, dark fatalities, gore. no blood anywhere, no gore. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was also released at the time when Mortal Kombat 3 was coming out, when that series, like, they started to kind of pull it back and make it a little more silly for a bit. Like, you go look at, like, Mortal Kombat 3 has a dude take his mask off and scare the ghost out of somebody, okay? <laughs> Mortal Kombat 3 was not taking itself very seriously. Um, and, and the movie, like... Like, like, it had a lot of that same spirit. Like, it, it felt very wink and nod, but it was also telling a good story. And, like, the things that were funny in it were legitimately funny. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and the action was good. The CG at the time was pretty incredible uh, with Reptile and Goro, uh, especially. Like, those were, like, really... There was a lot of really good work and puppetry there. Um, oh, for sure. So, yeah, that movie just... It has stayed the course, I think. Like, and I think that like time has only been kinder as we've gone on uh, to that movie. Um, one of the best. Uh, just an absolute blast. I remember dragging my dad to see it. Uh, God bless Aww. his heart. God bless his little soul. I drug him to so many bad movies over the years. But Mortal Kombat was one where he le- like le- like was legit. He went in not thinking that he was going <laughs> to like it because, you know, it's a fucking video game movie. This is going to be stupid. Came out literally as the dude that bought it on VHS day one, the day it came <laughs> out. He got it before I could go get it. So there you go. That's crazy. Yeah. So that movie was incredible. Yeah. Um, that's not what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Mortal Kombat 2021. Has anybody else here seen this? Am nope. I the only one? Nope. Taylor Taylor did in the chat, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. And, I, and I'm pretty sure Jess saw it as well. Uh, it sounds like, anyway. Uh, she seems very uh, excited for me to talk about it. So that is what we are going to do. All right. We've got some folks in the audience who know what we're talking about. So um, this is the, the new movie. Um, this one's sort of centered a little more around the mythology of Scorpion and Sub-Zero 
Um, and the movie starts out kind of giving you that backstory in like 1600s Japan. Uh, we go through this really cool uh, fight scene um, where uh, Sub Zero fucking kills Scorpion and his family in very gruesome fashion. <laughs> like, uh, this movie gets started off in a way that's just like, yo, uh, this is violent. Like, people are, dudes are getting their heads caved in by maces and shit. It's ridiculous. Like, it's just the blood's flying, people. So, Sub-Zero kills Scorpion's family, and, 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 yeah, he, but he, like, vows to haunt him for the rest of his days, um, and this is sort of, uh, the event that becomes the prophecy that'll sort of unite Earthrealm's warriors against the Outworld, uh, like, hundreds of years later, somehow. Also, Sub-Zero is immortal now, for some reason. We don't know why. So Sub-Zero kills Scorpion's family. Yeah, Sub-Zero kills Scorpion okay. and his family. So so Scorpion goes to hell, basically. Um, mm-hmm. um, and and, and, and uh, Raiden steps in, and he's just like, like, like he, he saves, um, he saves Scorpion's daughter. Uh, she was, uh, they, they had managed to hide her somewhere in the house before Sub-Zero got there. Uh, so Raiden comes down in all of his elder godliness and steals a child uh, who had just been orphaned. <laughs> Go Raiden, um, but this all becomes like the, the 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 whole backdrop in a way. Um, and again, the weird thing is, just like in the games, it's not like I don't think that it's canon at all. But Sub Zero can now live for like hundreds of years, but now he does because like he goes because we flash forward to modern day, um, and we have which the story now starts to center around what I have to think is some producer's original character, Do Not Steal. Oh, uh, no. It, it, he's an MMA fighter, because MMA... He's an MMA fighter named Cole, and I he's... he, he, he Like, his, his story is he, he is a descendant of Scorpion's original bloodline. Uh, and that's okay. sort of, like, why he's... Why the center is storing around him. But, like... I'm, it's so weird, because, like... Him just being, like, a dude versus, like, this cast of wildly colorful characters from this video game series that has a large lineage uh-huh. for having crazy great characters that you could build this story around. And they just build it around a dude. Uh, I that, mean, that is a, yeah. a down-and-out <laughs> MMA fighter. Uh, and, you know, it, it's going to be the hero's journey of he's going to go and he's going to get stronger as the movie progresses and all that. But it was just weird. and It felt like a weird disconnect because, we've because again, like, Mortal Kombat has so many great characters you could put in this spot and you could give this mm-hmm. origin story to. Uh, like, if you need to rewrite a character to make it work, you could. So I don't know why Cole exists. Um, and, and that's a big problem I have throughout the whole movie, is that I don't think they do a good job of making him interesting or cool at all. Um, he's just kind of like the guy that's going to be set up to be the hero, you know? So, you know, whatever. So, the, but, but, the, but the basic idea of this movie is that, like... Outworld has won nine straight Mortal Kombat tournaments. This is kind of the direct... Yeah, we know this story already. And they have to win a tenth, and they can invade Earthrealm. So, Shang Tsung's idea is, well, fuck the tournament. I'm just going to kill all of Earthrealm's warriors before the tournament to ensure my victory. And Raiden states on a number of occasions that 
This is against the rules. You can't do this. And it's like, well, will somebody do, you're an elder god. Could you do something about that? Like, who's making these rules and enforcing them if this is illegal? And how do they not know that Shang Tsung is doing this? Because he's not killing them in any quiet manner. Literally in the middle of a populated city, Sub-Zero is creating snow in the middle of July to try and kill Cole. Like, y'all, like, it's it's weird, but it's just like, I know I'm, maybe I'm cinema-sensing a little bit here. Uh-huh. But it just feels weird to me. But, yeah. They, 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 mm-hmm. they just keep, bring, like, stop bringing up that it's against the rules because you're not there's no, there's no penalty for Shang Tsung breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yada yada yada. Like Cole kind of gets sent on a, a quest because now he's on the run because he knows that like Shang Tsung and Sub Zero like they're after him, and like he he meets up with Jax. Like he gets him set on the right path. He needs to go fight Sonya Blade, and then he gets up, he he gets up to with Sonya. Uh, she gives him the whole rundown of the Mortal Kombat thing that's going on because she's been investigating this for a while. She knows that, like, look, I know all about this crazy shit. I'm not directly involved because I'm not one of Earthrealm's chosen warriors because she doesn't have the mark that everybody else does. Um, she's just kind of an outsider that's helping Jax, um, you know, because he's going to be participating should there be a tournament. Um, and, and, and she gives him the rundown of everything. But, but it is in this scene that we're introduced to basically the character that kind of makes the movie for me a little bit, kind of made it a lot more tall. Kano. We got Kano. Kano is, he is basically the highlight of the entire film. He's just a snarky Australian asshole criminal. And he just fucking bumbles his way into this world altering conflict. And and it's a pain in everyone's ass. And he gets away with it. He just keeps getting away with it. And it's so fucking... Like, Kano, like, do you like... That dude carried that entire movie. I can't remember the actor's name. But... <laughs> he carries, like, the, the... Like, from the moment he arrives to the minute that he... Like, like, those credits start rolling, he carried that movie from that point onward. Because he's just, like... You know, like, he's, like, the doofus from the outside. Like, everybody is, like, these super serious martial arts masters taking their craft seriously. And he's just kind of, like, sitting in the background laughing. Like, just creating nothing but constant discourse or discord and, and, and just assholishness. Um, it plays it really well. The rated R, the, the R rating really helps this character shine, too. He's got some incredible dialogue that... You would not get away with in a PG-13 movie. Um, and, yeah, but Kano carries the entire fucking movie. So, you get all these characters together. Like, Kano has to kind of... He kind of has to reluctantly work with them because he is also a chosen fighter. Like, he, for some reason, r- received the mark. That's why Sonya's got him captured. Um, uh, so... so reluctantly, they all have to kind of team up together. There's a lot of cool fights. There's a really great reptile fight um, that's incredible. Like, I think they do that original reptile fight justice in the way that they set it up in this movie. It's really fun. Fuck yeah. Um, lots of training, lots of fights, lot, lots of, like, there's a lot of really good Mortal Kombat lore uh, and, and a lot of characters that get screen time considering just how cramped the runtime is at just under two hours. Um... Mm-hmm. But they mostly make it work. 
Um, and, and, and for the most part, the pacing feels okay until the last third of the movie, where we kind of just mm-hmm. had to say, okay, we don't know how to get these characters where they need to be, so we're just going to teleport everybody to their final fight, their final oh, one-on-one fight. We're just going <laughs> to teleport them there, and then we're just going to have each, each, each of them have like a two- to four-minute scene of fighting each other, and then the fight's over. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a, sure as a video game movie. Oh, God, yeah. It literally feels like a Mega Man, like, Wily Castle boss refight world or some shit. <laughs> Uh, it's it's just like it's kind of ridiculous. Like the fights are good, at least. Um, you know, like again, like I, I think I, I think I can stress at least that that's like a common highlight is that I think the fights in this are really good. There's a really great Goro set piece um, uh, with with like Cole fights Goro, and it's a really good fight. Despite the fact that I don't like Cole at all, it's a really damn yeah. good fight. Um, Excellent. And fucking Natara! Yes! Um, I, I, I think that Jess may be the only one other than me that knows who Natara is. Uh, she's a character from Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance. Uh, her being, like, one of the characters that gets to have a fight in this movie, it was like, that made me pop a little bit, too. Um, it was really good. Um, and they do a lot of good work with, like, they're not, like, 100% their video game analog counterparts or anything, but they do a great job of Hollywooding them up a little bit to make them a little more grounded and less costumey. Um, uh, Cabal is really weird, uh, like, because you can tell he's all voiceover and, like, uh, auto-dialogue replacement, you know, it's all done post-production. It's so weird, uh. like, they didn't really... There's something really weird about the way they mix his uh, uh, his voice acting in because it's it, it's louder than it should be, so it sounds really fakey. Yeah, um, and, I, and that kind of like that might be a might thing. It sounds that, like Bane in a way. Yeah, it, it might be that just because like I'm an audio engineer that like I'm hearing, but but like if other people you know, other people might not notice it in the way that I did. Um, uh, but yeah, so you get like. Everybody, everybody goes to boss fight zone, their own personal boss fight zone, where they fight their rival character one on one. They have really good fights, and then the end, the movie just kind of ends on a bit of a wet fart ending, uh, because there's oh. no, there's no big, there's no big bad that really gets theirs uh, in this movie. Mm. Because guess what? It's setting up a, a sequel. We are setting oh, up a trilogy at least. So. Mm. Nobody really, like, the, 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 the heroes at the end of the movie kind of, like, they end up in a similar fashion at the end of the original Mortal Kombat movie where it's just like, okay, they did the thing, but that's not the end because Outworlds are coming and it's going to get ugly. Whereas this, but in that original movie, Liu Kang killed Shang Tsung. So you got... It was, he, you killed yeah. the actual villain. It was, yeah. It was like, it was almost, it would have been satisfying even if they'd never made a second one. Exactly. Would have been it would have been better if they had not made I literally walked out of the second one in theaters. Oof. Oof. I, Can I like, tell a like, quick story, Polly? Yes, go ahead. So you know how you mentioned your dad like ended up really liking the first Mortal Kombat movie? Mm-hmm. So I, I saw the first one with my dad as well, and somehow, somehow this happened. <laughs> oh no. He went to see the second one without me. Oh. So I've never seen Mortal Kombat. Oh. What is it? Annihilate! Oh my God! Annihilation! We have, no, we have okay. We're risk so track. I've yeah. never seen that one, but don't. he was like, "Fucking don't!" We gotta it's riff track this. Oh my God! I think I, the, our first riff track. I think I know what we gotta do. This is so cursed. <laughs> this is so cursed. <laughs>
Oh god, yes! Yes! Oh, it's so fucking miserable, Red. I can't wait. Wait, we got we gotta do this. We have to do this. I mean, as far as I know, I think the one thing I've heard is like they kill a number of characters right at the start. <laughs> because the original actors couldn't come back. Or didn't want to when they read the script. Or didn't maybe. want to when they read the script. Like, like the Johnny Cage they got is so fucking Walmart Johnny Cage. It's so bad. Speaking of, is, is Johnny Cage in the new one? Um, I'll say yes, but I won't say how. Okay. Because I'm just like, when you talk about this new character who's kind of like the normal human, I'm just yeah. thinking... Johnny, Johnny Cage, Cage is, per- is already that role is as he the normal not- guy. And I guess like what they're gonna do. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure what okay. they're gonna. I'm pretty sure what they're gonna do with Cole by at least the second or the end of the third movie is he's going to be Scorpion because he he's a descendant of Scorpion's original uh, bloodline. So that's and he gets Scorpion Spear. So okay, that's obviously. They're going to give him electric powers, and then he'll have to make hard choices if he's good or evil. Oh, that's infamous. That's, yep. Yeah. Wrong one, Rhett. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, it's... I don't know real... Like, I don't think this movie's terrible. Like, it seems up and down for sure, though. Yeah, like, there are a lot of things that I enjoyed about it. Like, I think that they did the the actual Mortal Kombat characters justice. I think they're... They're really well done. I like Jax. Uh, I like Kano a lot. Sonya's really strong in this. In this too, like they 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 put a really good focus on her too, um, and because like because again, like she's that odd one out where she's helping these people that, that all have the mark to participate in Mortal Kombat, but she doesn't. So that's sort of something she's struggling with throughout the movie. Is that like she wants to protect the Earth realm, but everybody's literally like, you don't have a mark. You can like you can train with us, but yeah. you don't fucking matter. Um, oh. and that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, like, and the movie ends on obvious fucking sequel bait, and they, yeah. I don't even know if they're sure if they're doing a sequel at this point. <laughs> like, I think the director said he'd only do it if the script is actually good. Uh, so, yeah. Um, everybody has I, such confidence in making a sequel now that they end on yeah. teases like that. Like, I just make that, it good. For, sorry. And I think that this cast, that, that they, they, they got is actually really good. I don't like like I don't keep up with actors anymore, so I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you. But it seems like they got a relative bunch of smaller actors to do this. Um, like I'm not entirely sure. I'll probably get spit roasted over that because I'm not entirely. You know, <laughs> it's not something I keep up with. But I didn't recognize anybody in this movie from anything else that I have ever seen. Uh, and I think that they all did really well in portraying these characters. Like, like the dude that played Shang Tsung has some big shoes to fill. Uh, when you consider Shang Tsung from that first movie and just how iconic yeah. he was, holy, like, they literally went and, like, like the, the Mortal Kombat XL got that dude to do yeah. voiceover for their DLC, which is incredible. The only oh, one just... is Scorpion. <laughs> oh yeah, he yeah the the Scorpion dude was yes the dude who plays Scorpion was in the Last Samurai. Um, uh, yeah, here you go. Yeah, what? I'll probably get spit roasted over that. Yeah, oh, it's like the funniest possible. <laughs> He could have gone for I know, all I things know, to say. I'll get I'll get crucified by the by by someone over there. <laughs> I know. Spit roasted. I knew what she I was doing. Means. Here. She's going to be roasted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, If if you do porno, you get swallow roasted. 
<laughs> no, if you do badly at porno. <laughs> I'm glad you. I was glad to hear your Mortal Kombat take. You are the number one. Yeah. Mortal Kombat fandom representation in my life. So <laughs> I, I, I value your take on the Mortal Kombat, the, any new Mortal Kombat experiences more than a lot of folks. Mm. I appreciate that. I, I, I think yeah. that new Mortal Kombat games are on the right path, too. Like, those games have been pretty good. Mortal Kombat 9, 10, like, those, those have been really good. Yeah. Uh, and yet, have you played 10 or 11? Nope! Not not like like <laughs> I don't have anybody to, I don't have anybody to play them with unfortunately like like back uh, when Mortal uh, Com- back when I played Mortal Kombat a lot like I had friends to play them with but now mm-hmm. I just I there's no point in me buying a fighting game right now and I don't want to play with people online that would beat my ass that just make me mad I don't want <laughs> to be mad video play. game <laughs> that's why you play with a friend for six months when you both start from zero I, the last time I played Mortal Kombat with a friend they rage quit. <laughs> Oh no! They literally <laughs> rage quit. I was like, "Well, okay, I can't do that anymore." Was this in oh. person? No, no, it was online. Oh. They, like, okay. there was a really good Mortal Kombat two um, on the PS3 that had really decent online, and I played it mm-hmm. online with a couple people, and one of them got really fucking mad when I beat them as Kung Lao for some reason. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Like, because I like when I play Mortal Kombat two, I random select everything. I don't select my character in Mortal Kombat two at all. I just always random select, and for some reason, I beat like when I beat them as Kung Lao, they just got real pissed off and left, and did not talk to me for like three days. <laughs> oh my god! I don't Holly. know why, my dudes. Like it was just li- like I, I was just playing the video game. Like, oh, look, I'm sorry, I'm good at Mortal Kombat too. <laughs> See, this is why John mentioned you both start from zero. Yeah. Like, I would not play you in Mortal Kombat, you know, 1, 2, or 3. Oh, Jess also mentions the arcade operator story. I got an arcade operator to throw me out of their arcade <laughs> because I beat him. Um, I was at a machine, I was so at a machine, good. and I had been playing on one credit for a long time because people were lining up to play versus me. And, like, the way Mortal Kombat worked is, like, when you when you win a fight, you know, and if somebody quits and they don't continue, you just go, you continue up the tournament ladder and you just play single player. But somebody comes along and they drop in quarters and they don't beat you, you're still playing on that same quarter. So yeah. the, the arcade operator got very angry that I had not put a quarter, I had not put credits in that machine in about an hour. And <laughs> he comes over and he's like, I'm going to turn the machine off if you don't get, like, he threatened to turn the machine off if I didn't just, like, let the credit go. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm playing the video game. And he was like, well, fine. Uh, if you can beat me, I'll give you everything I have in my change bag. Because he thought he was really what good at it. stupid fucking bed. Yeah. And he put he puts in his quarters to play and i take him two straight rounds just <laughs> complete and, and 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 i do the fatality and he just kicks me out bopped holy shit <laughs> i think doing the fatality does piss people off. oh yeah yeah like i'm like at that point it was just like yeah like we're like i know that this guy fucking just does not like me <laughs> anyway and I, that's probably going to be the outcome like i wish i had not thrown a punch in the last round so i could have done a babality though would that would have been <laughs> that would have been man if only i had thought at the time like because at that time i was just like, i was just in the zone playing the video game like i wish i would have thought yeah. to do a babality at that time because that that would have just been the perfect movie end to that story. <laughs> but now oh, so you have to, you have to really clown on them by only using kicks in order to even do that. Then. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you can only use kick buttons. But that's yeah, a choice. God, so, that's a choice. 
I doubt I dived into this a little bit last year when I um played when I um played a chunk of uh, Mortal Kombat one and some of two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the single player modes of those games are kind of cheap. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, Mid- midway love- Midway AI is fucking miserable. <laughs> I mean, there's the it's old the games. That- and then the, the new ones, the story modes are really, really oh, well God. done. Yeah, I, like, like if anything, like I would probably buy 10 and 11 just to play the story modes for like, I, w- I would probably buy those for like 10 or 10 bucks a piece or something just to play the story modes because oh, they're always really good. I'm pretty mm. sure I have 10 on Steam, Polly. Oh, fantastic. That's good news. Given that I'm in a Mortal Kombat mood, maybe we'll yeah. hear about that in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, like I... I, I suppose I'll see the next movie. I don't see any reason not to. Like, there's nothing that really offended yeah. me here. Um, uh, oh, God. We have to get together and watch Annihilation, though. Um, oh, my God. I, no. Yes, we have to, Rhett. We have to okay, try Okay, but it. first we need, first we need uh, cool VTuber avatars. All right, don't we worry. Do a little watch along and just set the timer. I'll get Melly on it. Don't worry. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. That was the best Sonic. That was the best Knuckles. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> one one last thing. Sure. Kano is Australian because of his portrayal in the fourth yep. Mortal Kombat yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. What's his name? I used to know the good name. Trevor Goddard. Uh. Did a really amazing portrayal of Kano in the original movie, and ever since then they've just always written Kano as Australian as a tribute to yeah. him. Uh. Because he actually killed himself in two thousand three. Unfortunately. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was really sad. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Mortal Kombat, everybody, it's back. Welcome back to 1994. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, wait, Polly. What? Did they play the theme? They do a weird, bad remix over the credits. Uh, it's not very right. good. But the credit sequence right. for that, the credit sequence for that movie is actually visually uh, appealing. It's really cool looking. Uh, they nice. take they take various uh, scenes uh, and 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 stills from the movie itself and kind of superimpose them and play with them in a weird way mm-hmm. that like, looks really cool. impressive. I like that. That's uh, probably, I, I brings the, probably brings the rude two to this podcast. It sort of gives a kind <laughs> of um, an extra kind of edge that's not really present in most other podcasts. I'm, I, I am well, what well, you well, might well, consider well. the Sox cast's Raphael. But John, there are no other podcasts. Yeah, like there's, <laughs> they, they all stopped when they realized that we were the best in the game. I always thought I was the Donatello as a kid. I wish. Which Ninja Turtle do you think has the weirdest kinks? Michelangelo. I, you know what? He strikes me as asexual for some reason. He doesn't seem like a dude super interested in fucking. He doesn't look like he's trying to get his little turtle dick wet. You know, Polly, I haven't really thought about the Ninja Turtles since I was like eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is very, very uncomfortable <laughs> thinking about them in any sort of sexual context. <laughs> Like you mean like you mean like the Ninja Turtle spit roasting April? <laughs> Bringing it right back. <laughs> that Ninja hot, spit roast April. That hot fucking spit roasting content from the side. I think you're right though. Michelangelo would see that and be like, "Dude, I just want to fucking eat pizza." Dude, I just like pizza. <laughs> what is wrong with you, sick fucks? <laughs> Tell us. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
Oh, man, I wondered at what point the Sox cast would finally dip its toe into turtle fucking, but here we are. Okay, okay, somebody just said that I'm Venus. Why did you you pick the one Sailor Moon character that is completely indistinct? You went for the one that has no personality whatsoever. (laughs) Don, I have to break it to you, there's a Venus in Ninja Turtles now. Oh, in like two thousand, oh. in one of the, like the two thousands era shows that nobody get, gives a shit about, they were like, "Oh, we need a girl, so she's Venus de Milo." Oh, of course, it, it was not a Sailor Moon thing, probably. Oh, that's man. Like, if nobody cares about the new Ninja Turtles series, how the how have they fucking had like twenty? I thought the I heard the newest one was like drop dead gorgeous and weird and experimental with the animation and i looked at clips and it looked really wild yeah yeah i did see i saw a clip of it was like oh that looks good i'm never checking out ninja turtles again sorry i'm not eight anymore oh i I feel wow i feel like the i I know i have some ninja turtles nerd you know how you have the sentai nerd friends yeah we we got a couple of those in chat right now (laughs) yes i have at least one ninja turtles friend i believe that there is a lot there um, and it it seems like sort of like the new DuckTales stuff. It uh-huh. seems like um, some of the new Ninja Turtles content is drawing on the weight of the past history of like all the comics and movies and cartoons and whatnot. Yeah. And like creating some cool stuff with it. So like I, I've kind of had it on my on my mind peripherally yeah. for a while. Mm. I'm just looking at Wikipedia right now. First animated series, 87 to 96. OK, that's the one I know. Live action, 97 to 98. Don't know what that is. I have second no an- idea what that is. Second animated series, 2003-2009. Don't know what that is. I have a video Third game an- based on that one. Third animated series, 2012-2017. Don't know what that one is. No. Fourth animated series, 2018-2020. They keep going. I think, the, I think the newest one got canceled, and that was when I saw yeah. a bunch of people like, No! It does have like the shortest run by a pretty noticeable amount. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it might I think a lot of that is good. I think a lot of that is like good stuff actually. Is my is my understanding from listening to from t- from the turtle heads. <laughs> All yeah. right, the turtle heads. Taylor, Taylor in the chat vindicating my extreme vendetta against Venus Sailor Moon. Just like I watched like 150 episodes of Venus Sailor Moon and I was just like, "Who are you? Who are you?" <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Sorry, but less Oh god, I forget the creator of Sailor Moon's name, but Sailor Venus was the first one. That originally was Sailor V, and then right. Sailor Moon came afterwards and had Sailor Venus join as a side character in that. I'm so, aware. I'm aware of her history. It doesn't make her okay. any less. So she's just proto Usagi. She's just. Pointless. I mean, yeah, exactly. she's, she's really up Kmart Usagi, <laughs> just there for hundred two hundred episodes. She's the. Uh, <laughs> Oswald the Lucky Rabbit of Mickey Mouse. She's nothing. I mean, the, I think the joke is that she's very similar. Right. Yeah. And then, but then, but then, like, who, who's, who's Sailor Moon character are you? Are you one of the two? Are you Marzu Usagi of Defined Personality? Are you the nerd or are you tall? I, like. <laughs> Your characteristic oh, is tall. She's also, like, about it. Jupiter is definitely more masculine than the others. Sure. And tall. Yeah. And then bummed about it, they, you know, because they cover that in her first two episodes, and then she does nothing for the rest of the show. <laughs> the, 
oh my god, I just I just wanted them to like have episodes devoted to like individual sailor scouts. Like, okay, here we're gonna have an episode that's diving into Jupiter's internality, but they never do that. They don't do that. Have you watched all of Sailor Moon? I watched three seasons of Sailor Moon. Okay. I, I know they do that with the extra ones. I know Ju- I know Saturn and ever and Uranus and everyone get internality. But the main ones Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I've only act- rant. for for whatever reason, I've only actually watched two completion seasons three and five. And I'm that Season weirdo three. that actually just doesn't care about Sailor Moon. <laughs> Polly, you obviously didn't grow up in the nineties. I grew obviously not. <laughs> No, like, when Sailor Moon was the thing, like, I was that cool kid that already had, like, Ghost in the Shell and Ninja Scroll yeah. on VHS. <laughs> and, look, I've posted my previous VHS uh, anime collection on Twitter God. in the past, okay? Holly, People I... know what I was watching in 1995. Even that that screenshot you did of, like, the stuff you were getting rid of was, yeah. like... Oh, I got a little aroused seeing those Tenchi Ovas. I, I kept those. I still have those. I'm not getting oh, rid yeah, of those okay, because the like the the Tenchi OVAs, uh, those those are really important to you. Those have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Oh my god, I I just ugh. I really liked Hard Catch Precure. I think I watched three fucking <laughs> oh, seasons yeah. of Sailor Moon. Hard Catch Precure is better in every fucking way. I still I still like basically like Sailor Moon. I just. It's it's weird because it's like one of those things where they are specifically the discussion is based on like which of these very distinct characters are you when like my main issue watching the show for so long was like they just they're not differentiating these girls sufficiently mm. and Hardcatch is so good about that. Okay, but uh, one of them has blue hair. I mean, what more do you need? And she likes computers. Blue hair. Blue, blue hair is a character she likes trait. Computers. <laughs> it's more than Venus gets. <laughs> She's like, it's like she's blonde. <laughs> I mean, there's literally jokes at some point where like they dress up as each other, and like I think Venus does the pigtails, and the villains can't tell the difference or something. Wow, it's almost like she doesn't need to be there at all. Listen, there's a lot of planets. There's a lot of planets. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> of of all of the planets, Venus is definitely one. Yeah, we she definitely. Is- need- we definitely need five characters for this first season. Let's go. <laughs> we can't. We can't leave any. Yeah, Zella's watching a bunch of Precure and not even the not even Heartcatch and having a really good time. So that's that is my that's is my line in the sand. Is I like Precure. Gotcha. Hey John, did you know the new one has a mermaid? I do know the new one has a mermaid. God, I was so close to watching that. Like I literally started episode one, got like thirty seconds in, was like. Maybe not right now, and then it's you like know, you know, I know that feeling when you're like, <laughs> I, I know what I'm, I know what I'm here for right now, and then you're like, Ooh. and it's and it's not commitment. <laughs> Ooh, maybe not. But then it was like that was when like eight episodes had aired, and now there's probably like twenty five or so because I think they've done two seasons because mm. those things are all like fifty episodes long. They run for one year, and then the new one starts. So like oh now that God, it just so goes, now, yeah, they just go. So now that it's not, like, reasonable to immediately catch up on and watch week to week, I'm like, ugh, fading fast. Gotcha. <laughs> Maybe I'll just watch the one you... Pre- watch Hard Catch, it rules. Hard Catch. It's also yeah. 50 episodes. I would never recommend somebody watch a Magical Girl show that's, like, 50 episodes long. Well, yeah, you wouldn't recommend an, an actual Magical Girl show that's 50 episodes long. You'd recommend a weird shonen <laughs> mech... 
idol thing instead. It's everything you want in one show. Uh-huh. At least that uh-huh. one. At least that last season. It's everything you'd want to make you want to watch Precure. <laughs> so vicious. Gah! <laughs> yeah, Rat! Yeah, I know you just got dumpstered, but you, you got anything else you want to talk about? The funny thing is that my transition was going to be a Simple Gear joke anyways. <laughs> well, we... Look, man. Like, that's that's what you call good podcasting chemistry. Hi, hi everybody. Content morning Simple Gear. <laughs> So last year, or last episode, though, Polly watched the fifth season, I, and I'm kind of realizing, oh, we're just not going to talk about Simple Gear yeah, on the like, podcast anymore. Simple Gear has run its course on the podcast, Rhett. So what if I talk about maybe the next best thing? Uh-oh. What's well, that? We have, uh, we have uh, Simple Gear at home. <laughs> I've got Kmart Simple Gear, kind of. <laughs> All right, tell us about Kmart Simple Gear. Uh, it's it's really not but okay. I watched a show called Vivi Fluorite Eyes' Song. So for the rest of this, sh- we just call it Vivi because that's what everybody does because yeah. the subtitle is absolutely weird. Right. Okay. Uh, the show opens so strangely that it's almost kind of sad to spoil what the fuck happens. Mm. So the show starts. It's like in a futuristic amusement park, and immediately robots start killing people. <laughs> I mean, what else a robot's gonna do? That's that's really kind of their job description. Yeah. So it's like literally like forty seconds into the show, and there's bodies hitting the ground, and it's a little gnarly. <laughs> like you know, Simple Gear also starts with a concert massacre. Yeah. But it's not. It's not literally instantly. There is some setup and a and a song, and then shit goes wrong. This just cold opens with it. Like when you open your show, when you open your show with just a lot of murder, like let's mm-hmm. take for instance the classic Elfin Lead. Oh God, this maybe is not, that's okay, the, not, maybe that's a good foot mm-hmm. to get started on. Nothing is on that level. This is I wouldn't want to oversell it. That is harrowing amounts of blood and violence and dismemberment, <laughs> to which nothing has ever lived up to. I don't know if you heard my satisfied, deeply satisfied sigh there, just like contented sigh like remembering the first like seven minutes of elfin league it's still really good we'll, we'll always have the really first good. seven minutes we will always have the first seven minutes of elfin league continue Rhett. anime just isn't as good as in 2005 <laughs> they just don't make it the same anymore they certainly don't make it the same as elfin lead nope <laughs> i don't know i think some of that dna stuck around for the worst honestly <laughs> okay Can so anyways uh so it's the future and robots are killing people and a scientist activates a thing and he entrusts the hope of humanity to someone we don't know yet okay so the premise of this show is vivi our main character is a robot like she's the first world's first like self-autonomous ai mm-hmm and she's living a hundred years prior to the scene we just saw. Oh. He, okay. They they explained later that they found they they totally just hand waved this away real quickly. We found out that we could send data to androids in the past. Okay. <laughs> like that's their time travel let's, thing. Let's like, Steins Gate this shit. They really just kind of don't th- worry about it too much. So she's a hundred years in the past, and that the year is like. 2060. Mm-hmm. And she gets given this mission 
to save the future. So over the next hundred years, she has to intervene in catastrophic events in history that led to the development of AI and kind of guide things towards a better future as best as she can. Also, also, her current job, though, is a singer at an amusement park. So she's a blue-haired android that sings. And it's just like, mm, this is definitely pushing a lot of my buttons. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, like, so despite the fact that the show is about, like, about, like, the development of AI and androids and, like, how that leads to a bad future, mm-hmm. they don't really actually ever get into that thematically. <laughs> like... This is not a hard science fiction show. It's very mm. much science fantasy. And it's a lot of... There's a lot of action, actually. And it's just... It's a very fun ride for me. It was definitely like... This isn't Symphogear, but it sure hit a lot of those buttons. And it's like... It is insanely well-produced. It's done by Studio Wit, who I think does the, the Attack on Titan. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Like, that show probably like, looks incredible, then. So it's really nice looking. And uh, Red, I'm feeling I'm feeling some feelings seeing this character design. Uh oh. Oh yeah, she, feelings. She's not Continue. like your typical anime. I think she yeah. wears a suit for a, a lot of the show as well. Oh, you have mm-hmm. my you have piqued my interest. Yeah, I really like the main character, but the problem is like when the whole show is about like development of AI and like she just kind of acts like a person the entire show from the get go. It's mm-hmm. a little funny, like. And then there's a the whole thing where, like, all of the female androids are very, you know, perfect human looking. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of the guys are, like, the robots in PSO where they're just huge, like, <laughs> geometric Jane. shapes. Yeah, just Lego blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I can see where you guys maybe had a little bit of your priorities. Yeah, that's kind of always the yeah. case with these things. But, like... So the show is just, like, none of it is, like, a one-off episode. It's very arc-focused. Mm-hmm. So, like, nothing ever gets resolved in one episode. So it's just... And even, even though the show is only 13 episodes, the fact that she has to travel through, like, a hundred years' worth of development, like, they call it the hundred-year journey. Mm. And it's just... I don't know how to put it into words. I just really like this show, actually. Aww. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yay. Like, it just... It ended really strongly. And it was just like, oh no, this is one that's going to get stuck in me for like. Oh no! Oh, okay, a, a that's while. good. That's in good. A good in a good way, though. Yeah, but like, but like, like I, I was wondering if like, Symphogear had maybe ruined no. anime for you for a while or something. No, no Rhett can love again. I mean that that has happened with other shows, but like this one, because of who I animated, like, is on such yeah. a high level that it's like, listen, Symphogear's nice looking. But it's not going to have, like, yeah, real like the, technical action like this. The fact that Wit is behind this is like, oh, I probably yeah. need to get this on my watch list then. <laughs> I mean, I was like, boy, I think I like this enough to, like, immediately rewatch it. I wonder if I could talk Polly into watching something. Yeah, this is something I would oh. probably watch with you, yes. Yeah. Awesome. But then I, the one thing I was grumpy about was, like, this already on my anime list has like three times as many viewers as Simple Gear Season <laughs> 1. Right. And it's like, oh, this this ended airing in like June. Yeah. You're, you're saying in like a month this did this did three times Simple Gear numbers <laughs> yeah. for not for the last for the last nine years. Yeah. 
and it has a score in like the top 100 right now. That's so I'm like, bonkers. That's a little fucking crazy. Like, but then I finished it. Was like, yep, giving it a nine. Fuck it. It was really good. <laughs> like, I think if you like, you could point. Pl- bleh. You could like poke a lot of holes in it, like plot wise, and like it's a little goofy and maybe takes itself, but it takes itself pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it just uh, it still all kind of came together for me in a really fun way. Cool. And it was funny because I was like, boy, I sure am playing like a lot of sequels to things of you know Yakuza uh, trails, like and like a lot of the anime I'm watching, like I mentioned uh, B Star season two last week and yeah. some others, where it's like. I sure am going for, like, really safe bets. Hey, let's watch an anime original. Oh, shit, it fucking ruled. <laughs> You're rewarded by the universe for yeah. kind of stepping outside the... Not even that... The, that's the thing. It was not at all stepping out of outside of comfort zone because it was, like... It's so simple, rec- gear adjacent. It was recommended to me by, like... Not specifically me, but, like... I heard Symphogear fans talking about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, its popularity has absolutely nothing to do with that. Because it has already infinitely surpassed that level of popularity. But it's like, oh, yeah, it's really good. Mm. Just some really solid arcs in there with characters you'll will learn to like. And then the show's also really sad. It <laughs> like, get, like, yes. it, like Beepner, Beepner in the chat mentioned Casher and Sins, and that's kind of the vibe I'm getting just from, like, the tone you're talking I, here. I think, like, someone did, met, like, you know, my anime list has, like, similar two shows. Mm-hmm. No one has said Simple Gear, but I think Casher and Sins is in there. Yeah. Casher and Sins is dope. Because, yeah. That show is kind of like the world is already ended. In. Yeah, it's done. <laughs> this is, like... It's funny, though, because she herself is an AI trying to stop the AI from yeah. destroying the world eventually. So she's kind of torn between those two factions. But also, the humans are kind of dicks, too. <laughs> As they always are. I mean, like the world we live in. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's my little like anime recommendation. That sounds really solid. Yeah, like we, we could absolutely watch that sometime. Cool, cool. John! That's me. Yeah, that is. Amazingly, amazingly, it's still you. <laughs> Despite everything. Despite everything, you. really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two more itch games to talk about. Alrighty. I told you, we're getting back getting back to fucking basics. We're away what? from just just <laughs> away from all this long form JRPG bullshit. Like throw that all in the trash. Get it out of here. VNs, no thank you. No. I want to play little little itch games. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about John D. Moore's Caverns of Kron. Okay. Okay. So this so this is um, Solidarity, a Monuments of Mars inspired uh, platformer. Oh, what? What? Yep. Oh man, uh, this is like the most like this is the like the coolest thing you could have pulled here. I think. Oh really? Yeah, given 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 your history here, I think this is the coolest thing you could have pulled. <laughs> no, I, I I've known John for a while. I've played several of his games. Mm-hmm. I like um, uh, Orbital Paladin Melchior. Oh um, yeah, on the front yeah. of his page. I have that. It's cool. It's a just a dope Gundam inspired um, VN yeah. that also has action sequences. Like mm-hmm. oh shit, this rules. Yep. Um, Monster Hug is very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I just saw, <coughs> sorry, 
<laughs> I just saw this and was like, oh, oh shit, yeah. Well, a, I I want to play my friends a, a different friend because I did Fugitive, which was my Monuments of Mars lightly Monuments of Mars inspired game. It was more Mega Man, but yeah. it pulled a lot from the aesthetic. Um, this is a lot more actually inspired by, by like Monuments classic, yeah, by Monuments of Mars and classic um, DOS games. I think where yeah. it's a bunch of single screen challenges. Um, there's a lot of flipping switches. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like the, the the relationship you have with enemies is very interesting. Where they all have like different behaviors. Um, where like some of them some of them are you can't kill, and there's just so there you have to navigate around them. Um, so each of these rooms is just a neat little puzzle, and there's a nice balance I think between ones that are kind of a pain in the butt, mm-hmm. and then ones that are pretty easy that you slide through pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So it kept me from getting too frustrated at any given point. Um, I think there's probably a little too much like waiting on platforms mm. for its own good. That kind of dies off in the back half. Um, and then kind of most interestingly, like just looking at the screen caps, I think gives you a big impression of it. But in like the last third, they start introducing like bullet hell patterns. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's and it suddenly started feeling a lot like bullet phase. And I was like, oh, shit, this is. <laughs> This is a platformer texture that I don't get to experience very often. Um, I like this a lot, um, but yeah, it, it's just a fun little, it's just a fun little hour-long romp. I think I had my it times you, and I had like fifty minutes and like a hundred deaths on the clock at the end. Oh, nice! Uh, there's a couple of bonus levels too, um, but this is just a fun, nice time. This is probably. Probably my favorite time I've had with John's games. Um, I haven't played Explobers, which is the very Lemmingsy mm. one, um, as I understand it. But that's like his big one. If you want to look at that on the Itch page, so I had a fun time. That's Caverns of Kron. The next one, the next big one. Oh, um, this is my this is my last thing of the thing. But I played Extreme Ooh. Meat Punks Forever, oh. Bound by Ash. Ooh. Here we go. Yeah, this is uh, this one's big. Yeah, this is a meaty one. <laughs> um so i was a me i would i would um sorry i need to cough again um i would contextualize myself as like a medium fan of the first meat punks game Mm -hmm. um my my experience with heather's games was that i played them in like 2016 or so and was kind of not vibing with them and then like Ever since then, I just keep, she just keeps coming out with new stuff, and every time I like them more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I feel like Extreme Meat Punks Forever Season 2, I- I'll go ahead and say, is where I'm, I'm like, fully sold <laughs> now. Ah, cool. And it feels really... That, then you are a wizard last year, or the year before. Right. Um, so, Extreme Meat Punks Forever, the premise is that everybody is piloting mechs made of meat, <laughs> which is already great. Yep. So they they like climb into these like mechs that are just like viscera and bones, Ugh. and they stab their neck down onto yeah. a nerve spike so that they can just come directly plug themselves into these meat mechs and then kill other people piloting their own meat mechs. I don't think um, you you have a cooler set of words right now than meat mech. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, so the the tone I think of these games is important to say is they deal with some dark subject matter, but the tone is very breezy mm-hmm. and kind of light. Um, it's very funny, also. <laughs> um, 
but generally like the the world of meat punks is like there are just like you're constantly fighting fascists and cops as who who are also piloting meat mechs that's very good (laughs) it's very good all four care all four of the main characters are relentlessly queer and messed up Mm. (laughs) and the way they bounce off each other is very fun and interesting they feel very distinct um i like the cast a lot um the the action is uh, in the first season i think the action feels clunky but in a way that's kind of endearing to me um you don't kill enemies by beat by just hit by lowering their hp you have to um knock them over the side there's always like a ravine or a river or something yeah. in the levels and you beat enemies by knocking them off into the river and killing them um so this is a lot of a lot of good fash bashing yeah um, <laughs> so I I would say that if I had a if I had a a negative reaction with the first Meat Punks game, it was parts of it feeling a little rushed for the kind of intense emotions they were processing. Mm-hmm. Like a character talks about depression, and it kind of goes a little too quickly for me. Mm. Um, and then secondly, that it feels very much like the first chapter of a larger story, which mm. is a recurring theme on our on our show. Yeah, yeah. But like I came, I came away from the end of the first season. Like that was pretty good. But like, um, it has a, it has a very, sa- it does have a very satisfying climax. I think it has a dope last fight with a very cool um, music gimmick to how it presents itself and a cool mechanical gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still doesn't quite feel like a complete arc. I think. Uh... Um, Bound by Ash, the second season has like twice the word count. Um, still very punchy, still like only a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, ten times the budget because this game got kickstarted. Um, oh right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, they they point that budget in a handful of ways. The the new character art is very pretty in season mm-hmm. two. Um, there are a handful of unique CGs, um, a handful of animated sequences. The combat sections are much more polished. They pull in Colin Horgan, who did the combat in Luca, yep. to do the uh. combat for Meat Punk Season 2, and it feels really good. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't feel like Luca. It feels like they punt, They took um, the feel of Meat Punk Season 1 and retained it, but just like tightened it, everything up. Like right. There's more animation cues before enemies mm-hmm. attack you. Um, it's all just a little bit cleaner and clearer. And there was one moment of empowerment mechanically that had me yelling in one of the later episodes that had me yelling fuck yeah at my screen <laughs> that's always a good feeling uh-huh um and they they also have unlike the first meat punks they have a handful of like one-off bits like play bits like at the end of episode two there's a rhythm game section oh oh or <laughs> how well you perform does not matter at all but, but it yeah. plays because it's a punk band and the point isn't to play well oh it's to play with feeling <laughs> they do that in night night in the woods too it's very cute oh yeah oh my god it rules um and then in episode three you actually you get to a new town and then you actually can explore the town with a top-down jrpg language oh neat and you can go around and talk to people and it's like it, it keeps hitting you with like cute little moments like that there's a pl- point where somebody else plays a, so- a very like heartfelt song and it's 
it it's very moving. It sounds like the like the end of a VN song, like <laughs> a really good one. Mm-hmm. But like every verse, you pick what the next verse is going to be about. Oh, so they like you like are dynamically making this like really moving song. <laughs> um, so I think the big takeaway with 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 my experience with this one is just like they set up some actually pretty juicy character conflicts mm-hmm. and play them out fully um, in a way the first season didn't really nail for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, there's a, there's a guy who's a shithead in a way that's subtle and oh. the way it plays out is very well done and feel and felt very real to me. Mm. Um, and the last episode is you know when they're when you're jumping when like in a really good movie or something where you're jumping between like three or four sets of characters like three sets of characters that are all doing like their own story thing Mm -hmm. and like character arcs are resolving in the context of big action and you're it just feels like you're getting bukkake'd all over with story (laughs) like you're just it's just it's just story just hitting you <laughs> over and over and over and in this case a lot of that story is also in the context of dope action set pieces <laughs> because colin really likes platinum games oh so, wow. like, there's a you're like fighting enemies while running while going up a big elevator and it's in this pretty unity art mm. uh as the as the floor sinks way out from under you mm. <laughs> um so like I don't I don't want to oversell it or anything. It, it's also still not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a third season apparently planned, although that's probably getting delayed because they just successfully kickstarted Meat Punk's The Tabletop RPG. Oh right, yeah. oh, <laughs> which rules. I think that's sure, great. Yeah. I think it's a great setting for that. It's not really my thing. Yeah, um, but I'm very happy for it. And it, it apparently succeeded very quick. The Kickstarter apparently succeeded very quickly. So I'm optimistic that the next one is going through. Um. But this, it didn't feel, it wasn't like the end of the story, but it felt way more like a full season of television with a satisfying finale. That's good. Um, like, um, I, I played this right after Inglet, Yinglet. Yeah. And I was just like, oh yeah, this is what I want. This is what I'm here for games for, for here, one yeah. from games for right I now. like, I like the contrast on Twitter with your reactions to both of them. <laughs> like, oh, this is cute. I like this. This is a fun little platformer thing. It was a nice language. Oh my god! <laughs> You're literally screaming <laughs> at your lungs out while playing me. Mm. Um, so like, I don't know. I, I, I like I said, I, I felt a little bit disconnected from friends um, when everyone had a very strong reaction to the first Meat Punks because mm. I was still like a little bit held back. I played it through twice. Um, I wanted I played through it again before doing this one. Yeah. Because uh, you bring over choices from oh, the first. Oh, that's always a good. That's always a good thing. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um. Oh my God, there's some epic as hell beats in the, in the last <laughs> episode. It's really good. Um. But I, I one one last thing that came away from it was like, um. The I I felt like really at home in the character dynamics here, mm-hmm. and I I've been hang out with queer people a lot. I've been talking about queer politics a lot. I've been thinking about politics a lot. Um, and I realized like how at home I felt in the dynamics of meat punks mm-hmm. and like among those characters. And it was sort of, 
it actually had like a little caused like a little bit of an epiphany like oh i really am part of the queer community oh That's you really... get you got your card finally it arrived in the mail it took a couple years but you got it <laughs> <laughs> it was just like oh somebody finally am, threw I'm... you in the queer hole with us this feels nice this is nice i really i like i was thinking about my some fan like older queer family and like how their their whole life arc and the ways that mm-hmm. it was so very different from like things the way they are now family. right yeah and, and, and yeah. yeah and just the, the, the way those dynamics are played out differently today yeah and the way and just the ways that i always connected with that and was like oh this is really mm-hmm. nice um and i was just like it, it, it feeling like and, and coming right off of releasing like a very very queer book yeah and game yeah um, I was just like I'm. I felt like validated. I felt validated. I felt like I'm part of a creative conversation mm-hmm. um, with games like this and Luca and um, Genray stuff and Anodyne and like. Uh, it feels like the, the queer games right now does not feel like it's a miserable cult of personality fest like it was at the start of 2010 yeah from like 2010 to about 2017 i think that that space was for me anyway largely insufferable and i just stayed out of it uh because It 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 was very focused on cults of personality who uh i'll i'll not get into it i'll 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 no it sucks yeah it whether it's in it was like whether it's actual predators or yep. like big focuses uh, who are just celebrated and boosted, or like strong focuses on like be like being a part of the the larger game community, like getting polygon write ups, yeah. or um, just like extreme focuses on production values and stuff like that. Um, like Meat Punks isn't on, is it was a twenty thousand dollar Kickstarter. It's not on Steam. <laughs> it's just on itch.io. Yeah, it is. It does not give a shit yeah. about being part of the larger games community is just a like I want I'm sure it want to make wants to make money and whatnot it is just co- relentlessly queer and out there and anti-establishment in a way that it doesn't feel like it's fishing for right um, yeah like that. It, it doesn't feel like it's fishing for cred yeah either. yeah you definitely like, get that feeling uh, from from from, from uh, these spaces sometimes, where they may go in with better intentions, but come out the other side kind of wanting that bigger validation through a more mainstream audience. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, God bless and you if you get it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it's easy to see when that's being fished for. Yeah, where the queer, where the where the queers are a stepping stone to larger successes. Exactly. Um, there's something. Just like I don't want to, I don't want to put this game on a pedestal. I feel like I said, I think there's a ha- a lot of games like this right being made right now where it's not, it's not fishing for cred. It's not part of a. It, it's, it feels like it's it feels like a space outside of the, kind of like. Outside of a lot of that bullshit, yeah, well, I like look at Nami's works. I, I think that those, yeah, pretty much, absolutely, like, like Nami's works, absolutely speak for themselves in that. Like she is, like if she wanted to be, she could be a much, much, much bigger presence in that larger game space. Um, 
Uh, she's interestingly chosen to keep pretty low profile and just, hey, if you find it, you find it. Um, <clears throat> and she just gets a lot of word of mouth that gets the, the, her stuff uh, popular. And it, it's all worth it. It's good shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, like just a ton of my friends' games, like fucking like Slimes and Silas, and yeah, <laughs> like there's so much unabashedly, like there's so much art that actually like just engages with queer stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, it, I, I'm working a, t- a big tech job in Chicago. Like it's very easy to feel like completely disconnected from a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but, and the, where, where I'm just like going day to day into this very, very straight space. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there, there, I, I had a, I had a personal moment with this game in addition to it being, um, just thrilling as a story. Mm. And lastly, um, one of the most like fucking professional on point getting it done kickstarter games <laughs> like this got kickstarted and then like a year later here it is here it is we yeah. did it <laughs> we do- it is done get it out of here yeah. go play they they did not over scope they knew exactly what game they wanted to make and then they fucking made it yeah. and they did and they used the money in smart ways like that that's intensely admirable in yeah. this, in, a, in the in the space of kickstarter games and i think it is um, I think it's something to keep in the back of our heads the next time when, when season three comes out is like, oh shit, they fucking deliver. Yeah. Um, cause I think that, I think that's very admirable and rare in yeah. game spaces because mm-hmm. games are, games are one of the most easy things to overscope on and then just lose yourself in trying to deliver on your bloated promises. Making games is hard, people. It's uh, very hard. You know, uh-huh. it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I remember pulling scope on Poly Dungeon <laughs> and pulling that <laughs> shit back. God, it feels good, doesn't? It? Doesn't yeah. it feel so good when you when you have that epiphany? Like, oh, I just don't have to make this game. other half. <laughs> oh shit! It can just be much smaller. It's just funny thinking that like Bullet Phase also went for the same thing where I cut that game like either half or a quarter of what I originally scoped it out to be. Mm-hmm. It was just like so even stuff like Poly Dungeon or that. We overscope. Yeah, yeah. And I had, you know, I had made a lot of big games by that point, and it's still really easy to just accidentally overcommit. Yeah. When in reality, a lot of times being smaller actually benefits the story more. Yeah. Me- yeah. Meat Punks is so dense. Like, like, especially coming out of, like, releasing the very slow burn, like, focused on two people thing. Watch, playing this thing that is like, okay, we've got our big story beats, and we're kind of, kind of... We are going to have some quiet time. We're going to have enough quiet time to make it land, but we're going to move a lot of things. It feels more like movie paced. Yeah. Um, which is cool for an action VN. <laughs> like, it's just very dope. It's a cool world. I'm very excited for season three, and I, um, I'm excited to see the climax of this, of this journey, mm-hmm. especially considering how wild it already gets. Yeah. That's it. That's for me. Cool. Polly. Well. I guess I'll close this out here with a, a couple of video games. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really. I guess dove into anything to kind of like you know commit to it yet or anything. I mean, I guess okay. maybe. I guess you put 25 hours into a game, maybe that's a bit of a commitment. <laughs> but but I'm not. I've not played anything that I've finished. 
um, or mm. or that I could say that I don't know. But 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 we'll start with with. Uh, um, We'll start with the new Mario Golf video game. Oh, wow. Yeah, Mario Golf Super Rush. Uh, that's been out for a while, a couple weeks, a month or so, maybe. Uh, Tell us about this. I, I kind of got roped into it because I played it, with, <laughs> I played it with somebody. I was like, oh, wait, fucking Mario Golf is fun. <laughs> um, the last... The last Mario Golf game I played was, like, Toadstool Tour on GameCube, and that game's pretty dope. Um, but I mean, it's, yo, it's, it's Mario Golf. It's just golf. It's a golf game with like Mario themed obstacles, Mario themed special shots. Like Mario's got a star man and he hits the ball real hard. Rosalina, she hits the ball and it's carried by star bits. But guess, guess what? This game's got Rosalina. So that means you, you can buy it and feel really safe that your purchase is worthwhile because Rosalina is fantastic. Rosalina is very good. Like we love Rosalina. Like I haven't played as anybody else. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> on this pod, look, look. I don't. I'm not. I'm not big on Mario right now. On this podcast, we love Rosalina. We love Rosalina, absolutely. Um, but um, yeah. Like this is just super fun, streamlined, easy to pick up and play golf. Um, they like. I, when I look at think about trying to make a golf fucking video game, all right, the but I think they got to be the smartest people alive, the people that make golf video games because of all of the physics that you have to account for, and I, I like like when I think back to like all the golf games that I've played in my life, I think man, the smartest people on the fucking planet had to make that because that's just bonkers when you consider how many factors actually affect. A fucking golf ball. <laughs> Holy shit. It's just mind-numbing to think about from a coding standpoint. Um, but, but this is like, but like, this is just streamlined, simple fucking golf. Like, they even removed things like, that, that make golf, like, really hard and boring. Like, uh, like the, the, the pin, like, like the pin and the hole are actually on the power meter, so that when you're swinging for it, you always kind of know where you're trying to land the ball. Interesting. Rather than trying, like, I, that's such a simple fucking thing that I don't understand why it's not been in any other golf game that I've played. I don't even know that Neo Turf Masters did that on the Neo Geo, and I consider that to be, like, a really fucking up-there, high-quality uh, golf game. Um... But yeah, like they just put the the hole and the pin on the damn, so you always know where you're swinging, even if you don't, even if you aren't scoping out your shot, which you can. This game has that depth, like it's got a range and depth finder where you can actually like pull it out and like aim at the green and like get an idea, like what's the incline there? What am I looking at? If I put the ball here, what kind of like should I put some backspin on? It's got all that shit. You don't have to engage with any of it if you don't want to. If you just want to play some fucking golf and have a good time, all you gotta do is hit that fucking A button a lot. Um, but um, but like other things, like like the, the rough grass and sand traps don't really affect the power you put on a shot, but they do affect the shot curve a bit. I think that's maybe like the the, the deepest you get, and like uh, putting it's like where it all comes down to it. It's just like just judging the shot, and you know, like the more you play a course, the more you play the game, you get better at just judging that shit. And it's just a stupid, fun, really arcadey golf game that's a goddamn blast with people. Like it feels really good. 
Like, I don't know what else you can say about a game other than, like, uh, oh, like, most of the other content's really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, Adventure Mode is this really bad, like, RPG-type thing where you have your me and you, you raise them over the course of, like, doing various single-player challenges and one-off stuff. Uh, I, I didn't care about it. And there was, like, solo, separate solo challenges you can do, which, again, just didn't... Like, I would rather just play some golf. Like, I, I don't care about these weird challenges you're trying to do or the bad RPG you want me to play. And thankfully, you don't have to do any of that to open anything. Uh, like, you, okay. you, you unlock all the courses and stuff by just playing regular golf. Like, you just cool. go play 18 holes on a course, you immediately unlock the next one. Just boom. You're done. The game's got six nice. courses. The game's got currently got six courses. Um, I think there's like 21 characters, and they're doing free DLC down the line. Um, for like, I think there's two more courses and three more characters. I think I heard. Nice. Um, uh, but other than that, like, like, like I, I think that like the the thing that they really wanted to, to be the big deal here, which is in the name Super Rush, is they wanted the speed golf stuff to be a really big deal here and mm -hmm. it's like where you hit the ball and then you have to run to where your ball is at and then keep hitting it it's it's basically golf but you have to run to your ball uh and other people can knock you you knock you down and slow you down and bump into you and i don't understand the point <laughs> here because speed isn't actually the way you win you're in oh, way it's still all based on your golf score. So all of the uh, all of the running what? all of the running between what? hitting your ball doesn't mean a fucking thing. It's pointless. I'm, I'm honestly kind of dumbfounded now because I thought, of course, first to the hole wins. It's literally called speed golf. But it's I thought, but like, it literally takes twenty oh more minutes to play. Than an actual 18 holes of golf. Oh my god. I thought, like, this is a thing that might be funny in, in multiplayer if you're, like, whacking each other, trying to slow each other down. You maybe aim your ball at somebody to slow them down. Yeah, like, but... and, all of the, and all of the power shots are based on shit like that. But it's still, like, at the end of the day, none of that running around bullshit, it doesn't matter if you do it faster. Oh my god. It just matters if you have the better golf score. So, like, what's the fucking point? I thought, you know what they should do? I was like, they should put some golf carts on there. Make it Mario Kart golf. There you go. They should. <laughs> Run each other over. But it, it's just... That's bizarre. Yeah, That's it's... honestly confusing me. But I honestly think that, like, the core golf game that's here, I enjoy playing a lot. I think that, like, cool. there, there's still a lot of value here if you just play this by yourself and want to get really good at a golf game. It obviously shines when you're playing with other people way more. Um... And that's where its strength lies. And I think that's kind of probably the case with all the Mario sports games. Like, I like I've, I think Mario Tennis is pretty good, too. Um, but all of those things are just really fun if you have people to play them with. Um, uh, but I think that this works. Like, if you like the actual, you know, like, the, the actual golf game where you're figuring out a course and like the lay of the land and like how the lay of your ball is going to affect your shot and how you've got to aim against it. If you like deducing all that shit, which I'm having a good time doing, uh, this game's still got a lot to offer, even if like you're not going to engage with adventure mode or anything. Um, 
it, it's a good it's a good ass golf game. I think like its improvements probably make it a better game than Toadstool Tour. Um, but I still have a lot of fond memories of Toadstool Tour too. Uh, like if they would just like remake Toadstool Tour with some of these mechanics, man, instant day one there for me probably. I like every now and then the um, poly sports fa- sports game fan yeah. coming out because yeah. you, you, that's a whole you got a whole that's a whole world. Yeah. It is like that. Like there are sports games that I enjoy. Um, there are quite a few. It's, there it's are really quite cool. a few. Like 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 we'll go over a few of them. We'll just name them. We got we go got time. Like, okay, NES best hockey game, Blade of Steel, fantastic. Yep. Uh, baseball stars, best baseball game on the NES, fan fucking test. Tecmo Super Bowl. Best best football game on the system. Uh, moving to SNES, uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s um, presents Major League Baseball. Fantastic baseball game. Um, hockey. You want a great hockey game? NHL 95 or 96. Uh, I think 94 is boring. Sorry, people. You can spit. Mo- you can spit roast me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Get to uh, NHL 94 hockey fans. Like, I I think that people like NHL 94 mostly because it has fights. And they took those out of 95 and on because the NHL wanted to improve their image. Um, but I think 95 and 96 were, like, the most fun that I've had. Like, I've played full seasons of both of those games. So, I like those games a lot. Uh, let's see. Uh, NBA Jam. Always going to be a big NBA Jam fan. Uh, NFL Blitz 2000 is a great football game. Yeah, NHL Hits is pretty good too. So yeah, I got I got I got some sports game in me. Uh, if I could play Blades of Steel against people online, man, I would love like that. I love that game to pieces, but like I can cream the computer just without even thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there you cool. Go. There's there's a cute. Any, little... what's, what's the what is the best baseball game? The best baseball game. I mean, overall, yeah. I'm probably going to give it to Griffey on SNES. Uh, King Griffey Jr. Oh. presents Major League. Not Winning Run. Winning Run is garbage. Stay away what's from the that. One that I, what's the one we realized I had? Uh, I think you had Winning Run, which was the rare okay. the one made by Rare that used uh, yeah, pre-rendered right. graphics, and it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning Run, like, like uh, but, but, but presents Major League Baseball. is fantastic. It's got that fucking awesome Tim Fallon score, too. So, Ken Griffey Jr.'s Winning Run is the bad one. Yeah, that's the bad one. Okay, there's a different Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, yeah. The first, the first one they did was Prisons Major League Baseball. I played that one a lot with my dad too. It was really good. Good times. Good, good times. All right. And I cool. played one more Thank game. You for the sports game. Go for it. I played one more game to wrap us up here. Uh, I I started a, a journey earlier this year, but I pulled back because it got really complicated and weird. Oh right. Who remembers this? I don't. So right. I mean, I remember it being a nightmare. Yeah, oh, it, it was an absolute nightmare. It was, oh, it, it was, it was Mary Skelter nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so we found out that, that it was like, oh, there's a Switch version. Uh, there's only a Switch version of Mary Skelter two, and now Mary Skelter two is the first game. Uh oh. <laughs> like, so if I keep playing this PC game, I'm gonna be out of, I'm gonna be out of the loop. If I continue going, because they use Mary Skelter 2 to change the ending of Mary Skelter 1, which is included with this new version of Mary Skelter 2 on Switch. Exclusively. They didn't port they didn't port the, I'm the feeling P- my brain shrink up all over again. They didn't they didn't port the PS4 version because it's bad. Like like it like crashes all the time bad. And they just never fixed it. 
which is funny because uh, I had to get Mary Skelter Finale for PS4 because guess what happened? I got this. The Switch version is bad. They like like the graphics look like they're out of like a an early PS2 game. Uh, they took out like all the lighting and definition. Like everything's like I don't know what happened here. Like because Oof. Mary Skelter Two performs just fine. Like, how did you fuck up? What did you do? Uh, so, yeah, I'm playing Mary Skelter 2, and this is that kind of weird retelling slash reboot, I guess, uh. where this is the first game. I'm 25 hours in, and I'm still not sure how that's playing out. I'm thinking they're going to do something really weird and meta with all this, like, because there, there's got to be a reason they're doing this. Like, it feels very intentional and calculated. Um, so... You know what? Compile Heart and Idea Factory have been okay on stories before. Like, they did mm -hmm. Mega Nep. It's good, right? Uh, so, this story yeah, is very... Just, hold, just clinging, clinging to Mega Nep like a beacon in the I darkness. I have to, because if I look at much of anything... Look, I can give Idea Factory credit where it is due. They at least try to do something different every time out, even if it falls on its face. Aww. Like every game, every RPG they've done, the bat like they could have just used that net battle system and driven it into the ground, and people would still buy their games. <laughs> I mean, they kind of did with the rebirth, re the remakes. Sure, but 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 when they moved on to doing other things like Death End Request or yeah. Mary Skelter or Dragon Star Varnir or Rose Valkyrie, like. Every one of those has something weird and different that they're doing with their battle systems, and they're they're trying to like they're always trying something different. Okay, I'll at least give Idea Factory that they have ideas. Did you name? Did you name like every yes. Idea Factory game from the last like ten years? Yes, I did. Wait, did you skip the idle one? Oh, uh, um, what was that name? I don't remember. The I know name the, I know the name of that one. Yeah, you do. I don't remember. <laughs> But nobody... Omega, Omega Quintet. Omega Quintet. Right, right, right. Very good. All yeah. right, between us, all right, between uh, between all of us, we have the entire Idea Factory pantheon. Ollie, I think you might like Idea Factory. No, no, no. <laughs> I is... I like a very certain subset, very specific Idea Factory. <laughs> you know, you said you that they've got ideas, and that first Neptunia game, it also has factories. It does. They, those, those rebirth games got a lot of factories, actually. The same one, actually, over and <laughs> <Yeah>. over. Yeah. <laughs> look, Paul, I, I'm not saying that you have to think that they're good, but like, you know how I kind of like like Sword Art Online or Ruby <laughs> or Sweet Code. Oh, John, like, you don't kind of like Ruby. Like my heart is open. I like is my heart is they they have a place in my heart, and I feel like Idea Factory has a place in your heart. Okay, I agree with that. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Despite everything, I'll give you that. Okay, so, continue. Okay, so Mary Skelter Two, it, like the story is very similar. Like a city has been submerged, and it's escaped, and it's turned into this weird jail where people are just captured and tortured, and we don't know why. Uh, and this time, uh, the characters are Otsu and Little Mermaid, which I thought would John would love. John would yes. love Little Mermaid because, like, she is literally perfect John Thire wife material. Like Jesus mm -hmm. Christ! I'm and go ahead and Google hey, this one. Uh, Otsu and Little Mermaid are actually a gay couple. Like, Aww. they're just, like, out and out. Like, she is Little Mermaid's prince. She likes being her prince. <laughs> uh, and it's it's very adorable and very gay so far. And from my understanding, like, this isn't something that 
ever turns into a joke or anything. It's just like, hey, here's a gay relationship. It's not a big deal, you know. Aww. But 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 then again, I think that head. I think that like that they've always kind of been a little bit more progressive on that stuff because even the Neptunia series is just like they like you know people like it, it's stated very openly like look people marry people of the same sex all the time. It's not a big deal. Nice. Uh, so that's always cool. Um, so the game starts with you actually rescuing the protagonists from the first game, Alice and Jack, uh, from prison. And then some shit happens, and then you get split up, and we don't know where Alice and Red Riding Hood are now. They're gone. They're missing. What the fuck just happened? Alice had a freak out, wanted to start killing everybody, and we got everybody out of there. Um, so... Each chapter, you kind of like it, it. Follows a very similar format to the first game, where each chapter you, you're recruiting a new girl, and we try to find like while we're looking for Alice and Red Riding Hood, um, and that's kind of like where we're at with the story right now. I'm kind of I'm still in the building my team phase, and we're gradually starting to learn like, okay, what happened to everybody? Why are the like this only small this small subset of survivors? Um, and, you know, still working out that whole Blood Maiden thing. Um, so, this is, you know, du- this is that dungeon crawler with a survival horror element where, like, every floor, like, will have, like, a monster that relentlessly dogs you if you come in, like, if you come within its range and it will chase you until you either get out of its range or you have to fucking fight it and knock it down. And the conceit is that they're really fucking powerful and can probably fucking stomp you into the ground. So... It's, there's more of a focus on you get the fuck away. <laughs> um, but in this one, like, you can get in random fights while that chase is happening. And the, and he can catch up. Oh, no. Yeah, it makes things feel a lot more stakesy now. Um, that, that sounds like the FOEs. Right? Yeah, like, it's like okay. FOEs, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting evolution of that idea. Of that very okay. powerful monster that you should avoid. But it's actually stalking you all the time. Uh, until <laughs> until you and it's not killable until you find the core in the, the at the end of the dungeon and then you can actually uh, go into the actual boss fight and kill it. That's so that's so satisfying. That yeah, rules. It's such an interesting and like I said, <laughs> Idea Factory are they are always doing interesting and cool things. I think at least mm. like they're always <laughs> trying to to do something that's just a little more than the same battle system or the same set of mechanics all the time. Would you put them above the Tokyo RPG Factory? Yes. Okay. I, I think Tokyo RPG Factory just makes really boring, hey, look, it's Chrono Trigger. <laughs> hey, look, we made that. Like, I, 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 I've never liked anything Tokyo RPG Factory's done. I'm not sure anyone has ever liked anything Tokyo RPG Factory has done based on my timeline's experience. Mm. So what have they done? done? Sorry. Go yeah, right, yeah. What have they done besides Setsuna? Um, that uh, death game that apparently handled death really bad and teaches you uh, that like your traumas should define you, I guess. Oh, Jesus. It sounds like it was really, really badly handled. Oof. Ugh. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, you got that cool dungeon crawler. Like The biggest change that they've made to the battle system is that... Um, in the original game, Jack was kind of a non-battle participant. Uh, he was the he was a guy that like, he had he had what was called the Mary Gun, so that like when your girls started going crazy or out of control because of too much blood buildup, he would fire his gun at them and it would make them not be crazy anymore. That was sort of his role, and he still has that role this time, but he's actually tied to another character now. Like they they actually share like. 
like when it's Otsu's turn, she she's the character that Jack is attached to now. They have to act in tandem. So they get you get two turns when it's Otsu's turn, and you can either do two Otsu turns, two Jack turns, or one of each. Um, so you have to kind of use this character at like she needs to be a viable member of your party. But, like Jack, she is the only character that can do very vital things like use items. Or you need to spend turns with her not attacking so that Jack can calm the other girls down. Um, and if Jack does that too much, he goes crazy now. And he can kill your party. <laughs> so, you end up in this really cool balancing act of, like, how am I going to, like... You have a lot to think about in any battle you get into because the corrupt, like, I think that they uh, made the corruption a lot more uh, quick in this game. So your characters, like, okay. when they get when they get blood built up on them, it's usually, like, it's just pink. But as they gain corruption, that pink color gets darker. And the darker it is, the more chance you have of that character going fucking berserk when they hit max blood. So you can either gamble on that and hope that you're not too dark... Or you need to pull Jack out to do, you know, to do what he does. And another another fail state that they've added is if Jack goes crazy three times in one battle, you just lose. He just goes berserk and kills everything. Oh, weird. Okay. So, like, I think that that's, like, the, the, like, the fact that you have a character, like, she has to be an attacker early game because you don't have a lot of characters to play around with. But once the party's more fleshed out... She has to move back to a support role with Jack, and they have to. You have to kind of like smartly play their turns because they also get their turns less because they're getting two turns at once. So the game balances that by their agility actually being halved, uh, so that they don't act as you know as many times as the other characters do. Um, so there's a lot of really interesting, smart balance design here uh, that really makes you have to stop and think. Okay, how am I going to play this? Um, I think that that's really smart. Um, uh, the only other thing that they did was the way that you, a, a good way that you get equipment now rather than randomly running into a shopkeeper, which they, they, they up the, the, the encounter rate for that, thankfully. Uh, you run into a merchant pretty often now, even if you don't put any bonuses to make that happen. Uh, you have blood farming now. Uh, you can plant blood flowers, uh, and just grow your own equipment. Uh, and then harvest it, and like if you harvest it a certain way, like you just you you have a chance of like making weapons that you can't buy or you can't find under normal circumstances. So they incentivize you to play with that a lot, and it's just like it only takes maybe four or five random fights for your your blood garden to grow, and then you can go harvest all of your shit, and it's all randomly generated, of course. Um, mm -hmm. But like it feels like that stuff does skew a little more in in favor of the player. You do end up getting a lot of cool shit that like you can't get any other way. Um and I think that like in terms of like if you're going to make an equipment system and you're going to make something that really kind of feels like it's tied into that world and utilizing, you know, not only the the the, the sort of the, the 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 way the world works, you know, given a, this huge focus on blood. Uh, but actually using that to, like, plant and water a garden and having that kind of be the way that you get most of your good gear. I think that that's a smart way to tie in a, a system like that. Um, it's it, it's a little cumbersome, but, uh, again, like, it, it's compile heart. Things are going to be a little cumbersome. <laughs> you expect a little <laughs> jank when it comes to IDF. You expect IDFF. some jank when it comes to IF. Jank in a, in a 
compile card game? <laughs> uh, the other cool thing that they added is that uh, you can, can sort of control the dungeon and the way that um, uh, the way that it behaves with you uh, in terms of like, oh, like okay, like normally you're able to put down like a rabbit hole and you can just save anywhere, but like. It now has, like, jail trials where you can disable saving in dungeons, but you get 30% more experience for it. You can oh, start you, you can start adding these little uh, detriments to yourself, and, um, like, like, that stuff can be like, oh, okay. It incentivizes you to want to play around with the game's mechanics a little more than you might. Like, you don't have to engage with this stuff. Uh, I don't think, like, I've not, like, the Blood Gardens, maybe, like, I would definitely say, like, if you're gonna play, engage with the Blood Gardens, because you, you're not going to get the kind of equipment you'll get out of that anywhere else. Um, because normal chests, just, they don't drop altered items, whereas you can get items that are upgraded beyond what you can even upgrade them for back at base. Like, you can only upgrade to a plus 20 at base, but you can find items out in the fucking wild in a Blood Garden with, like, plus 60 to 90. So, Jesus. yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> a, yeah, it's a big fucking deal to do, and, and it's not even a lot of work. It's just, you know, it's a couple of menus, fight a few random fights, and your garden's there. You're good. Um, I think that, that like, there, there's a lot of smart stuff here, I think. Um, uh, it feels like, and, like, the dungeon maps are a little more contained, and, like, like I felt like the, the, the original PC version maps were maybe a little too sprawling at times, or maybe too twisty and turny, that, like, because it's a dungeon crawl. You're looking at a lot of the same shit all the time. I think, yeah. I think putting you in there for, like, five and ten hours at a time in one dungeon is maybe a bit much, which does worry me, because I know that Mary Skelter Finale does kind of go back to that, where it's, like, it's larger floors, but fewer of them, um... Whereas I kind of like this, these smaller bite-sized floors that are maybe like anywhere from 25 to 35 by 25 to 35. And those just kind of feel nicer. Um, so yeah, like, uh, I, I think that like what this game is doing so far is, is good. Like the stories, yeah, the story and characters are yeah, as fun as you'd want them to be. Like the tone, the tone can be all over the place at times. Uh, but in general, like just, I'm, I'm liking what's here. I'm probably going to slow down a bit on it though. Um, I kind of feel like with these games sometimes, especially when, with the Compile Heart Idea Factory, uh, versions of these, uh, where assets are just constantly recycled and reused, you know, I, I think you, like, I might, I might need, take a week away from that, get your eyes looking at something a little more fresh, because I, I think it's easy to burn out on something like this. Um, so yeah, I probably won't be talking about this game next time, uh, because I think I've kind of had enough for now but I, I but I know that I definitely want to come back to it yeah. um but yeah like I'm generally pretty excited to see like where this is going like I've reached chapter five this morning and I think I think there's ten I think I'm not sure but um so like I think that's like a pretty good chunk into the game 25 hours and I'm still enjoying yeah. it like I think that like the class balance stuff uh, feels okay. I think the only bad change that they made I don't like is that they added charge times and wait times to some spells and stuff. So a lot of magic can feel worthless uh, because, mm. like, you, like I think that just casting something and it instantly going off is way more satisfying than, like, oh, this might go off two turns, three turns later. Uh, and obviously, like, they're adding an element of strategy there. I get it. 
uh, it's just a personal preference where I, I don't like waiting a lot. And then this <laughs> game, and in the, and this is a game that's kind of hard. So when enemies get the opportunity to beat up on you, you're kind of cringing sometimes when those attacks are coming in. It's like, oh God, please live. Yeah. Uh, uh, but ultimately, like this feels like a pretty well put together dungeon crawler, even if it's a little budgety, even if it's like a little silly at times, but uh i mean i'm I'm here for hey the rubbing game's still in there they still they didn't leave, oh thank god they didn't leave that out <laughs> thank god <laughs> god it's so bad why why again I, like, can you do, i wonder if you can do it on the switch touch screen yes you can yes. I, that's how i did it <laughs> you can also touch the girls on their status screen and they'll react oh. to you <laughs> It's a compile heart game. For yeah, sure. get your cheesecake in, folks. It's fine. It's fine. Like I said, like I, I think that that whole like cleaning the blood off stuff would be a, a way better idea if the characters didn't like act like they weren't into it. I guess. <laughs> like, like, like if they were just kind of, like because the whole idea is like everybody likes blood anyway. It's okay. It's fine. They're blood maidens for crying out loud. So it's just like like if they were just kind of like into it or like a little less like. They, they they sounded less squicked out about it. <laughs> I would feel better about it. But, like, yeah. once you once you do the rubbing thing once, they, you just go in and say, like, okay, just do it. Just do the cleansing for me. And then it'll just be like, okay, there it is. We did it. But you have to do it with each character once. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, Mario Golf and Mary Skelter 2. Who knew? Two, oh. great, two great tastes to go <laughs> great together. Weird. Right? So, so what's the plan if you finish Mary Skelter 2? Um, I'm probably going to, uh, just read the visual novel, uh, because uh, <laughs> Mary Skelter finale is a package, let me tell you. Yeah, so it, it has a remake. It like, has, just- it has visual novel remakes of Mary Skelter 1 and 2, which I'm just, uh-huh. I'll probably just read the Mary Skelter 1, um, yeah, remake and finale. Um, and, and it also comes with a, uh, dating sim. Oh boy! Where that takes place in a high school, and you get to you get to have little dates with all the blood maidens. I think that's fucking adorable, and they're Aww. just and they're just including it for free. It's just there. You have it. So like Mary Skelter finale, along with just like getting the game itself, you get like two full visual novels and a cute little dating sim. I think that's adorable. And I only paid fifty bucks for that it. Sounds very cute. Yeah. So yeah, like dungeon crawlers, they're good times. But I'm starting to think, like, you know what? Maybe I need to approach them a little differently and not go whole hog on them the way that I typically do normal games, especially this one, because you just kind of need. I probably need to take, you know, maybe a week away from it to kind of not continue seeing the same sights and sounds. Mm-hmm. That said, that said, they changed the main battle theme, and I'm always a fan of that. When you get when you get to a certain point in a game and the stakes change and they change the nice. battle theme. Like, I love it. You guys are, you, like, we are only, what, halfway through the game and you're doing that? Fantastic. All right. So I do believe, I think that's an episode. Yes. That's an episode, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you all, of course, for downloading, sticking around, hanging out with us, being in chat, all that fun stuff. It always means a lot to us uh, that you come out and, and hang out. And, of course, I want to thank... Our friend, our good, good friend Taylor, once more for that amazing new theme song we have. Uh, it's it's rocking. It's gonna do us real well over the next five or so years. Uh, I oh, guarantee yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It's fresh. 
It, it kicks all kinds of ass, and we could not be happier with it. So thanks again, Taylor. John Thayer, tell the internet folks at home where they can find you. Farawaytimes.itch.io. Play Facets V1.1 and read Wayward. I agree. I agree. Rhett! Uh www.funimation.com slash shows slash vivi dash floridize the song. <laughs> You're not going to be able to actually type that. No. <laughs> Nailed it. Is though. that a VTuber thing? No. That's, that's... the anime I was talking about. Oh, my oh God. God. Yeah, Instead I of saying Crunchyroll, that slipped for gear. I did. It was, so much, it was so much, so many words I, I didn't I, process. I know. Yeah. <laughs> easy, not as, easy for your Not eyes. as elegant as a, of a URL. I just thought to do that right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right and with all of that remember we are the podcast that loves you we are the only ones that love you Attention is doing me as I